I'm haunted by the kiss that you should never have given me. My heart is beating, hoping that that kiss will not become a scar. You are in my very soul, tormenting me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 825? Precisely. Yeah. I'm late for school. You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. You are asking me to be rational. That is something I know I cannot do. Well, whatever it is, it's got to get by us. Right. Go get her, Ray. Huge. Welcome. Welcome, one and all. We are here, and everyone is here. Finally, it took a, it was the trials and tribulations we had to go through to get this episode up and going was astronomical. You guys Jesus. would not believe it. Uh, oh, is that a new voice you guys hear? It is. I, I guess we can introduce ourselves really quick. My name is Corey, as always. Hey, what's up? I'm Cole. I'm Zach. And uh, coming in for his third guest appearance, who do, who do we have here on the pod? Friends, it's great to be back. Josh Kemper with you. Corey, when did you change your name to Corey as always? That's, that's strange. It's a weird thing well, to do. Just another, is that one of those dad jokes since you have a kid and you wouldn't let us forget for 40 minutes this morning? <laughs> 40 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, no we should talking about <laughs> Oh, Josh, don't worry about it. Corey's, Corey's also going to be a little bit guilty here because you guys are both yeah, sharing the burden guilty. of this. It, it was just bad timing because I, I, I have to it, it'll be fine though you know what the audience is going to have a good experience and that's all that matters you know it doesn't really Indeed. matter what we have to go through it, it, our hands are dirty and bloody so their hands can be clean and pristine uh, we are talking about Attack of the Clones today second installment of the prequel trilogy of Star Wars mm. um, this movie is on Disney Plus so if you haven't seen it go check it out really quick and if you haven't seen a Phant- or The Phantom Menace uh, go watch that on Disney Plus and check out our episode on that um, but without further ado do you guys have any preamble stuff I have a hot take just waiting boiling over that I'm excited to share so oh, do you guys have wow. any preamble that you want to want to get I guess, into okay, before well, we start like, I guess though I guess it would be a fair question just right before we get into it is Josh uh, we just you know obviously we're coming off of Phantom Menace so if you want to give just a a brief, uh, you know, 1999 or present Josh perspective on what it was like to have uh, this is the return to Star Wars land with uh, the George Lucas prequels of like, before we get into Attack of the Clones, I guess the question is like, what, what are your what are your Phantom Menace thoughts? I mean, if you wanted my Phantom Menace thoughts, you probably should have had me on for that one. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to take it's going to take away too long. But um, I, I, these are uh, it's, you know. I'm, we're on this because we all love Star Wars just in general. I'm just going to throw that out there, oh. um, you know, obviously. But these, uh, both The Phantom Menace and The Attack of the Clones are just rife with um, some, 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 some certain issues that I'm sure that we'll get into, you know, as we move throughout this podcast. But I will say, um, I don't remember seeing Phantom Menace in theaters. I know I did. I was still a little young um, to like remember it, but Attack of the Clones is the first Star Wars movie that I have recollection of seeing like in theaters. And I just remember walking like, you know, the feeling I had walking out of it, which is my feeling then is is um, is a little bit different than my feeling on the movie now. Oh, you like it now? It, having, <laughs> having watched it many more times <laughs> with a critical eye, 
Um, so, yeah, it's just a, there's some things that I'm sure that we'll talk about over the course of this podcast. But um, again, this is all um, we're splitting hairs in the sense that uh, the bottom line here is that we all love Star Wars. Yes, we do. Yes, here. we do. Yeah. All right. Well, um, without further ado, I'm on this oh, um, I'm on this podcast because it puts food on my table. I'm not on this for any love of any franchise. Okay, this pays the bills. That's all I'm on here for. I do not like movies. I do not like movies, and even more, I hate talking about them. That's, that's I'm yeah, here to make stupid, friends. The stupid audience just demands our takes on these movies, and then we just I only movie franchise podcast to get women and get laid. That's the only reason I do it. How, how uh, well has that going? worked for you? Yeah, is that working? <laughs> <laughs> and now, without further ado, the green light. Cole, take it away. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Okay, so today we're talking about Attack of the Clones. Development began on the film in March of 2000, with there being three different drafts of the original script. Filming took place from June to September of 2000, with reshoots being in March of 2001. Film was released on May 16th, 2002, Roast $653.8 million against a $115 million budget. The film also included some new cast members, starting with Christopher Lee, who was famous for playing Dracula and at the time was starring in the Lord of the Rings series. Basically unknown, Hayden Christensen taking up the role of Anakin Skywalker from Jake Lloyd. And Tamora Morrison, who would play the role of Boba Fett's father, Jango Fett. With all that being said, I, I don't have much else to say. There are quite a few more minor roles, like you have Joel Edgerton as uh, Owen Lars, who would later go on to raise Anakin's son Luke, and he's sort of Anakin's brother. Yeah. But that's all I have to say. Let's get into the call sheet. Okay, guys, I, um, Josh, you could just set this one out. It's just going to be a game for the three of us. I'm sorry. I should have planned a little shut bit better. Up, Josh. Uh, Josh, shut <laughs> up. God. Yeah, continue doing what you're doing, which is being a quiet little gentleman. That's what you're doing. You're doing a great job of it. Uh, we are playing one to 100, guys. So what we are going to do, we have a scene, we have an item, and we have a character. Uh, and you guys have to guess it. I am going to give you a hint, one to 100. So... I'm trying to think like if if we're guessing and Cole says Corey's right shoe, but it was actually my left shoe. I might say 95, but if he says uh, my neighbor's toupee, I'd probably go like 40 because it's kind of close, but not really. So that's kind of how it works. Who's toupee? Uh, My neighbors. So that's how it works. Anyone have any questions? We have played this before. Uh, I believe Zach, you won last time, so you get a pick. Which item or which one you get? Do you want the scene, item, or character? And you get to pick which one Cole gets. I'm I'm just gonna say this: even for the Hunger Games, when Zach lost half of them, he still got to pick two. What the fuck is up with this? Zach always gets to pick. I'm hearing a lot of complaint. For, for someone who yells at me about complaining, I just heard a lot of complaining. <laughs> 
look, we've been doing this for months now, and Zach has uh, been given like that's all I hear. You, you sound get like to Donald pick Duck. a lot. <laughs> I right. think you get to pick uh, a lot, Cole. You know what? Just for that, Zach gets to pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's let's yeah, that's right. Um, let's go. Uh, I'll I'll do a uh, character, and Cole can have item again. <laughs> I hate okay. you so much. <laughs> um, okay, do you guys want to know what the scene was? Since we're not yeah, using sure. one. I know, Josh, Josh, shake your head yes or no. Do you want this? Okay, he shook his head no. He does not want to play and he does not want the scene. Uh, so, guys, I'm going to tell you what the scene was since we are not guessing it. It is the clones landing in the arena to save Obi-Wan and Anakin. So, ah, that's on the Geonosis. Scene. Just describing that scene. Yeah. That's a pretty big uh, scene. Right. I, I Here's what it was. I made two of these very easy, or pretty easy for the most part. Oh, and I made is. one of them not very easy at all. Uh, so you guys, it's a 50-50. That one was one of the easy ones. So you got rid of that one. So one of you guys is going to have a hard time. <laughs> one of you guys, Cole, it might be you that might have the easy time. We'll, we'll see. Zach, since you decided who gets what, Cole, you get to go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big complainer. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go Anakin's lightsaber. Ooh, like a 60. Ooh, nice. Um, let's let's go with that. Uh, let's go with the Jedi Temple librarian. Ooh, like a 20, maybe 15. I'm gonna go with a 15. You're pretty far away. Okay. Okay. Um. You know what? Actually, I'm gonna go Mace 22. Luke. I think it's about 22. It's a little oh, closer than I was expecting. It's it's a tiny bit closer, but really not close at all. You're you're pretty far away. Cole, your turn. Uh, I see. Where, I, I can track your thinking. Okay. I see where I see where we're headed. <laughs> uh, can I do Mace Windu's lightsaber? Uh, you are about 35. You know what? I'm gonna go like 20. You're pretty far away. 20. Okay. Mm. Zach. Yeah, that separatist leader that has the radio dials on his chest that he has to adjust to be able to talk. <laughs> like 17. You said seven, 17 or 70? Se- one, one more seven. Time. 17. 17. Oh, no. One seven. 17 yeah. community ice center? Oh, away. no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Cole, back to you. Let's go. Okay, so we start with Anakin's lightsaber, and that was really high. Anawan, Anakin's Padawan braid. I, I don't even know how to score this one. I'll say like a 50. I think a 50. I'm going to stick with a 50. I think a 50 is a good one. Good one. You even go off of that. <laughs> That's like, I'm, you're, you're like closer, do not take this answer at any face value at all <laughs> just right down the middle <laughs> no just completely unrelated. it's a it's a um, it's a guess again kind of an answer that's what i said Try give me that 50s robot diner waitress ding, 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 ding. that is the correct answer let's go uh, cole since you went first uh zach had the final guess there cole i'll give you one more guess to see if you can get it though uh anakin's robotic arm Ah, I'm gonna give you like a, I guess it doesn't matter because that's not it. Um, it was the <laughs> yellow speeder Anakin picks to chase the assassin in the beginning of the movie. Oh, it was the yellow oh. speeder. That's oh, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That's a good one. And so that's why I, so here I gave you a 60 when you said this lightsaber because he chose his lightsaber. And so I was like, okay, he's closer with that than with his braid because he didn't choose his braid, but it still re revolves around Anakin because he didn't choose the braid, but he chose the speeder. Cause he was like, sorry, master. I couldn't find a speeder. I liked, um, so he actually right. picked it. Uh, Zach, congratulations. You are two for two. You have now won the series next week. Cole, He's avoiding the sweep. Okay, let's let's lock yeah. it in. We know what next game is going to be. It's the what we do every single time we finish off a series. So, without further ado, action. Even the opening scene, there's always some random girl who gets a call that undoubtedly ends up getting her killed. It's also predictable. There's no element of surprise. You can see everything coming. <laughs> ah! Did that surprise you? <laughs> Now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. I have two things that I wanted to say. Let's hear them. Two things. Josh, I, I, I specifically wanted to say this because I knew you would be on. Um, they uh, Anakin, within the first, I think it was 15 minutes of the movie, says changeling. And that was coined by Star Trek first. And I checked that Deep Space Nine came out before this movie. All of Deep Space Nine came out before this movie. And Changeling was like coined there. So I just want to say that they copied Star Trek in that instance right there. Just a little, the terminology they used and never mm -hmm. used again in Star Wars was taken from Star Trek right there. Um, so I thought that was a fun little fact. Two, I think Star Wars in general. Oh. Uh, well, okay. The past two. Not well. The first two trilogies have a hard time casting main male actors. I am Whoa. not sure how much I like Hayden Christensen, and I think he almost <laughs> ruins parts of the movie for me. You think? I mean, and it was almost Paul Walker, so you know. Okay, that almost, almost, and butts. It, it, in some, I don't know. It doesn't work. Okay, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's the, hand, the horseshoes and hand grenades. I could tell you were searching for it, but you couldn't quite find the metaphor. But <laughs> I was, I was so baffled. And and you know what? I think it goes along with I. I also this one you guys aren't gonna like and doesn't really have anything to do. But I'm not huge fan of Mark Hamill. And the originals too much well, for the okay, first couple. Oh, okay, we first cannot. No, 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 Corey. You're trying to start a big saying. conversation. I'm just hey, saying, uh, like, I, Corey. It's, but now it's a, it's, it's a, it's a pattern. You know, it's weird. And so, like, what is it where they ha they have these main male actors who just it, it, and specifically okay. with Hayden Christensen can't really like deliver the line properly. Okay, can I can I interject really quick, really quick, and I'll pass it to you, Josh. Um, I think for and briefly touching on the Luke Skywalker comment, even if you're gonna say Luke or Hayden, or Mark Hamill isn't that good as Luke Skywalker, for every Mark Hamill and for every Hayden Christensen in terms of male lead casting, you have a Harrison Ford and a Ewan McGregor, you know, to where I don't think it's easy. And a I don't Liam think Neeson. You can blink. Liam Neeson and sure, an Alec I think. Guinness. Adam right, Driver. Right, See, right. but that Adam Driver is a, a big one there. Yeah. John Boyega. That's, that's my biggest issue because you have these phenomenal actors. You have the absolutely amazing actors who steal it away from the guy who it's supposed to be about. Like this, mo these movies, the prequels are all about uh, Anakin Skywalker, and they casted Hayden Christensen, which he is absolutely terrible oh, in this movie. Okay. I'll say, say it. how you feel. He is terrible. 
I like I was upset watching because I was like, why did they do this? It almost got to the point where I was just like, it is incredible that they decided to do. It, it, it was almost like how you were saying with pod racing in the last uh, last movie, Zach, where you're like, it is just great that this is this is the direction they decided to go. That's almost where I got to by the end of this movie. Zach okay. said it best. George Lucas is an auteur, you know. Oh, what they do that, and then they. Hi- it, I, I just don't understand why they do that, and then they hire these great actors for like supporting roles. It just doesn't make any sense, and it bothers me. So I have I have two quick thoughts on that. Um, <clears throat> to, on this on this note specifically. So number one, um, yes, I, I think that there is there is an argument to be made that this these the prequel trilogy is about is about Anakin and what ha- you know how he turns into Darth Vader. Sure. I think there's almost an equal argument to be made that it's not really as much about that as it is about Palpatine's rise to power. Um, so in, in that sense, I don't think it's as egregious of a, of a mistake. That being said, before you go into a tizzy, is that I also, I also agree with you that like Hayden Christensen is just a bad actor. There's, 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 I'm just going to say that right now out loud for all everyone listening. Um, but also, and this is, not specific to this movie it's really evident across the prequel and the and the original trilogy is that i as as great as george lucas's vision is of star wars and like the story he wanted to tell he's not good at writing dialogue either so like also mm. the lines that they're given to read are not good either he can't rise above the material that's what it is he's not good enough to rise above the material it is a mixture of him being a bad actor yes i grant you that he is um, especially in this one, it's it's a little bit better in the next one, but not by much. But just the the dialogue that they are presented to say are is poor. He doesn't know how to. I'm convinced George Lucas has never been in love and therefore has no idea how to write dialogue for people who are supposed to be in, in romantically involved. It's so it's so stupid. I had one <laughs> one quick one quick anecdote is that. Um, Towards the end of the movie, when they 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 do the the recall, the line where they say, "What is this?" or what he said, they bring back the aggressive negotiations callback, which is probably one of the mm-hmm. best callbacks, line callbacks of the whole movie, if not the best. They said that was improvised because George Lucas literally told them, uh, "Yeah, I don't like what I wrote here." He just wrote like in parentheses like romantic dialogue, and he didn't like any of the ideas. So he's like, "Why don't you guys just improvise something?" So and, oh, and, they, and they and they ended up coming up with one of the best callbacks of the movie when they were told to improvise. So I guess I agree with you, but only to a point because I also think that they just they only had so much to work with that they just you know what I mean. This. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait. I have I have a quick question. Just a follow up question. Uh, you said it could also be argued that it's about Palpatine's rise to power, but would you have that argument if there was a better actor playing Anakin Skywalker? Because if there was a better actor in that position, then I don't think you would have that argument. I think the only reason that argument exists is because you don't have a very good actor. That's my only. I, I think that was my only follow up with that. But I agree with you. Otherwise, I mean the story. The story is the story. It's not like they would have. Assuming that the story is the same with a different actor, it's still, I yeah. think, an, an equal argument to be made that it's more about that than anything else. But that's just my opinion. Like, I, I mean, I, I, it is also very much about Anakin turning into Darth Vader, and we just have to deal with what we were given to a certain extent, and it's not always great. Yeah. Cole? 
I uh, I definitely have to agree with Josh. I mean, each title of these movies is based around Palpatine, the Phantom Menace. He was the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. This whole plot was his for Sifo Dyas or Darth Tyran. Yeah, to create the clone army, which all of that's just bad. Was, yeah. Which we Which later learned was Cal Dooku, and then uh, Revenge of the Sith. He is the Sith, and there I mean, was it revenge. Okay, it comes down to that George Lucas said this is a, a story about uh, Darth Vader. He and so that's right. that's that's, but like, and you can't argue that Palpatine is the main character of these. I can agree that it's about like you could say like these are also about the rise of Palpatine and him taking over, but like. They're supposed to be about Darth Vader, and I think the reason that you have that argument is because he's not very good, and like you have to look for other ways of shining light on an otherwise dark area of the movie. Okay, there was a moment in this movie, and when I say moment, I mean ten seconds, movie. ten seconds, where I got a flash of. And while I'll, I'll just, I'm you not got gonna flashed. No, okay, okay, just slow down. I'm not going to, you know, keep you guys in suspense. Overall, I still can enjoy this movie in a general sense. A lot of it is nostalgia, and but also some of it is just the camp factor, and, you know, maybe I can't give the filmmaker credit for that. But, you know, I overall, I, I skew a, a tiny bit more positive than negative with this movie. Having said that, there is a 10-second moment in this movie where I got a flash of how good this movie could have been with this story in the hands of even with George Lucas still producing it and overseeing the overall story, if someone else wrote the script, so you get better dialogue and then you have a better actor, um, you know, playing the lead Anakin and you get maybe even a different director. Cause again, people might forget that George Lucas only directed the original star Wars. He did not direct empire strikes back or return of the Jedi. So if we had all these things, like he did the original trilogy in this new trilogy and like actually like, I am, I am. This 10 second yeah. moment was Edginous right after right Shmi right after Shmi dies. Uh which by the way, Shmi comes in for her one scene and probably gives the best performance of the movie in her one scene. Um right after Shmi dies and Anakin kind of looks up and he's getting really angry and John Williams music starts to get kind of like really fast and kind of unnerving in the way that it is for a few seconds there right before he's about to k- kill the sand people. And it's like, okay, this is a big turning point for Anakin as a character. And writing-wise, it makes sense and it works. I'm just saying, if this moment was... Ha- if if you had this type of effectiveness for that 10 seconds I felt with how crazy Anakin looked with that music in the context of that story, if you had that quality maintained over the course of this two-hour and 25-minute movie, which, you know, seems like a lot, but no, it's very much possible if you just got a better director and a better dialogue, you know, in that sense. Th- this... I wouldn't have to make excuses for this movie to like it. I wouldn't have to be like, oh, nostalgia. Oh, it's kind of silly fun. Oh, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. This could have been a great prequel trilogy, and this could have been a great movie if George Lucas just, you know, divvied off some responsibility in other areas instead of doing it all himself and surrounding himself with Yes Men. Yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if you'll allow me, I, this seems like a good uh, segue. I'm going to bring up my two... Main, You're the captain. Uh, not not even a little bit, but I uh, my two main issues with this movie, uh, which I think will will we can segue off of these into some other discussions about it. But first and foremost, 
it is just a bummer to watch a movie that was made entirely in post-production. Um, having actors not be able to act against a practical backdrop. Um, there was no, there's like, I'll say stormtroopers, but clones, like none of those people were in actual costumes or anything. It's all, it's all just green screen. And it's just, it's just bad. And when you watch other Star Wars movies, like either the original trilogy or I'll even say the, the, some of the things about the sequel trilogy that are great is while they have their problems, it is just awesome to watch um, actors on practical sets with real explosions going on and they're acting, they're reacting to other actors, things like all of that makes Star Wars better. And when you have a movie that is entirely made in post, uh, it's just, it's just a freaking bummer, which I think just takes away from this a lot. Um, and I also, and I was talking about this with, um, fan of the show, Sam Hohenstein recently, um, oh. when we were, at, when we were actually doing our, our, our homework and watching this movie, it was just like, I think, I think we probably all agree that some of the worst parts of this movie are the, the, the scenes where it's just Anakin and Padme and their whole, those like, are low. the worst. Those are the worst I mean, moments. just, just yeah. absolute hot garbage. And, um, I think that this movie could have been better had they decided to tweak the story a bit because to me it doesn't make sense for her to be in love with him. I think that it could have played this much better if they would have, it would have been, if they would have played into more of the love triangle thing where like Padme is kind of in love with Obi-Wan because he's like the hot older Jedi you know what I mean? Like he's a Jedi master. He is an he, he's a wise, man. Like all yeah. of that. I'm not saying he returns it, but like that's how she feels about him. But then Padme and Anakin have to go off. He has to protect her. So they have like this one night of passion that now, you know, blah, blah, blah. So now he's in love with her. But like, and then, because when they, when they bring up, when they throw in those weird little scenes in Revenge of the Sith about like, like, like Anakin being jealous of Obi-Wan, that would have played so much smoother and better if that would have been the case. Um, and, I, and I just think that would have changed how we felt about this whole thing in terms of their, their, you know, their love affair or whatever, um, yeah. a lot and, and would have, and would have really improved the quality of this movie had they done that. Um, that's it. Oh, and one last thing. And then I'm done. Um, the first time, the first time that we see Anakin in this movie as an adult, what are they doing? Where, where do we see him for the first time? They're, they're, they're he's riding in an elevator. elevator. They're elevator. riding in a freaking elevator. That's the first time that we see them as that like nest of buddies, which is just a so dumb. And like they make reference many times over the course of just Star Wars lore and in the movies of like the the Jedi trials. And when they're riding in the elevator, if you remember, they're talking about, oh, remember that time I saved your ass on whatever planet. Like instead it's that of nest of Gundogs. Yeah, whatever that was. Like instead of telling us that. Maybe start off, introduce us to Anakin as adult with like showing us him, you know, either in that situation or maybe he's like going through his Jedi trials and show us a little bit of that. Like that would have been so much better, but it's just the, the they, yeah. they, they make reference so many times to like them being like buddies and always a father figure, but it's like, we don't, we don't see we that don't at see all. All we that, see is no. like an antagonistic relationship and Anakin turns on him so many times like over the course of this movie, obviously in the next one too, but just like I, none of that makes any sense in 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 a sense of like moving a story forward and in, in, in good in good screenwriting in my opinion. So anyway, those are my those are my main issues, and of course, let's let's dive into that. So, ahead, uh, 
I got to add on to Josh's thing. Uh, yeah, George Lucas focuses, yes, on this exposition to fill in the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. He also makes it a point to show how creepy of a guy Anakin is. He's like using the force to stalk Padme. He's like, you're getting, you, you've grown too grown more beautiful like dude for, for a senator for a senator i had to pause it and put my face in my hands like god the cringe like, is killing me right so now honestly, you are blowing it who, you are blowing it immediately when so they were watching I, this cut who, who decided like yep that sounds good we should we should so, put that in the final cut like this sounds uh, my, really good my whole thing with that is i buy that interaction first anakin is a hormonal teenager who who's basically being told yeah don't have emotions Who's probably never interacted with a woman? So well, like, there are Jedi women. There are Jedi women, but he's not allowed to, you know. But this is the one he's been dreaming about, you know. He's he, dream she star. She is in his very soul. She is in his very soul, poisoning so him or intoxicating him or whatever he says. Oh my god, that's so bad, Cole. One thing, real quick, and then you can continue. That you just made me think of it. I also think that this this could be a hot take, but I also think that it is a dumb rule. That the Jedi are not allowed to have relationships if they are supposed to be like the protectors of the universe and like have compassion towards other people and other species and just people who are, you know, the downtrodden of the universe and supposed to be like protectors. It makes so much sense for them to be able to like explore that compassion and feel that instead of just being nope, no emotions, no relationships for you. Like it's like this weird priesthood thing that I don't think I just don't think ultimately ends up working out for for the lore of the Jedi, in my opinion. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, idea doesn't work out. So this is Josh's admonishment of the Catholic priesthood. Um, <laughs> wow. Didn't know we were going there Good. today. Yep. I'm glad he brought it up, though. I was waiting to talk yeah. about it. I think yeah, it we, was should, we should just get right back into. Yeah, we should get right into the Catholic priesthood of it all. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the love story here, which you know is supposed to be like this whole love story between um, Anakin and Padme. And it's hard to blame Natalie Portman either. I mean, but it's, it's not, it, I would never say Natalie Portman's bad in this movie, but she, she's not rising above the material and Hayden is bad and the material's bad. So it's even double worse for him. Um, but I do, there are some moments that, you know, I, I would say it, it would fall under the camp category because I don't think it's meant to be funny, but it is funny. Like when they're kissing for the first time uh, in Naboo and the John Williams beautiful across the stars love theme which is a huge positive for this movie by the way is that that music is great it, it is and it is shouldering the entire weight of this love story quote unquote just with that music oh, it, yeah. it cuts off so suddenly once she cuts off once she stops kissing him the music just cuts off like suddenly not naturally just like cuts off immediately and she's like I shouldn't have done that like that that was funny to me uh, and you also have like you know Anakin. Obviously, we don't we don't need to be the 90th podcast ever to probably make fun of it. But the sand dialogue is probably the most infamous one. My God. But, but I mean, yeah, you could you could look at it psychologically. And be like, okay, it's not sand that he hates. It's his upbringing on ta on Tatooine or whatever. But no, it's still bad dialogue. Um, A better actor would have been able to deliver up, the line. It's followed up with it. Even though the sand stuff is bad, and that's what people make fun of. The cringiest part of that moment is what he does right after. When he says everything here is so smooth, and he rubs her his fingers down her back, and it's like, dude, this is this is absurd. <laughs> he's creepy. He's just legitimately creepy. Um, also, you know, so, oh, he's ahead. haunted. 
Oh, no, the, the only other thing I was going to bring up is the, the you know, the, the romantic frolicking in the field with the cow looking ticks or whatever. And then they're rolling around. And it's like, God, you're going to be so itchy. Like, this is just, I, I, it's not romantic to me at all. You not are romantic. not allowed to make nitpicks like that when I made a small Corey, nitpick Corey, about, we're not talking about the door. And Come you on, guys man. lost your freaking minds about it. About you are what? Not. You made a nitpick about what? The door scream and scream three. three. She left the door oh, open in the front. Oh, that was nice. The come difference in. is you were it's wrong okay. about that. That that's the difference. I, oh, it's because I oh, okay. I was so just saying it's unrealistic. You're saying on the door. You're saying three. here. You're saying here though that it's just oh you would get itchy. Why would you roll around in the grass? Shut up. No space grass. <laughs> space ticks. <laughs> Listen, Dude, all of that is so poorly done. You can see the space ticks. And I'm not excusing the acting, but also like they. They don't do a good job of like, because the scenes don't play well in terms of like a, a continuity. Because like one scene, she's like repulsed by him, and then the next one, she's like flirting with yeah, him, and then the next it. one, she, and the next one, she's moving away from him on the couch. You know, just like, and and I get that he's being, I get that he's being creepy and stuff, which he is, but like, that's and, well, and also this makes me think of it. The the Je- the Jedi are supposed to be. Like Yoda, they, they, there's multiple references of like Yoda being able to feel stuff. Like he can, if they can feel people dying halfway across the universe, you telling me you can't feel that this this dude is horny as a motherfucker? <laughs> you probably shouldn't send him on this mission with just her. Like he's going to do some weird, creepy things. You can't feel that. He like, quite literally, Obi Wan uh, says as he's leaving, "I hope he doesn't do anything foolish." It's like, dude, he he was just telling you how how down bad he's been for this girl for the past ten years, <laughs> and you just you just put him on a one on one bodyguard mission with her in the most dude beautiful has place been, in the galaxy. Dude needs to be bonked into horny jail like a motherfucker, and bonked you're, into you're horny jail here, indeed. Bonk horny jail. Here, here's how I took it. Here's how okay. I took it. Oh, okay. I think. <laughs> With this specifically, I think with uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, I think Qui-Gon Jinn was just so, so monk-like and so in like ingrained in the Jedi culture that um, when Obi-Wan would have these like fall out, like he would fall off the path, Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon kind of knew that he was going to come back and helped him get back. And so he didn't see these like, oh, he's kind of falling off the path here as like a bad thing, but like as a lesson. And so I think Obi-Wan kind of recognized that and like, okay, you can fall off the path a little bit as long as you come back and you can't go too far off. I think that's kind of the sense I got from the first movie. But in this movie, it seems like Obi-Wan kind of took those lessons like, oh, it's okay to fall off the path. Like it's a lesson to learn. It's way to get better. But he never really helped Anakin get back on the path. He was just like, oh, this is just another lesson Anakin has to learn here. And I, I... and so, and I think I I think I could see the transition from that master to or Qui Gon Jinn to Obi Wan as a master, um, and, and and so that in respect, it didn't really bother me necessarily. The times like, oh, you can't send this really horny guy off to be with the girl that he's interested in. <laughs> that's like, fine. You know but they what? don't I do think, that well. I think I, and that's that that's fair. I'll say that's fair. I think I got that, so that's why I say it, and that's why I see it, and that's why it doesn't bother me too much. But I could see like maybe not. Like you have to kind of read between the lines and kind of put your own headcanon in and you can't really just mm. rely on what's presented to you on the screen. So I think that is a weakness necessary, like somewhat, but I think that is what they're going for. Um, whether you like it or not, I don't know, but I think that's what he was trying to do. I think it was just another test. He was saying like, okay, Anakin, you're going to go on this trip and you're going to be tested and you're going to have to do it. Like, 
but not do it. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. <laughs> All right, Cole, it's go bad. ahead. So uh, my whole takeaway from their relationship is... <laughs> Sorry. And when you say they, you mean Obi-Wan and Anakin? or Anakin Yes, and yes, Obi-Wan okay. and Anakin. So many relationships. Obi-Wan's still, like, he's very reluctant to, like, teach this guy. You have to it's remember, he's still... He still hadn't even faced the trials at the end of episode one. And he's doing this because he promised Qui-Gon. He's oh, I think that's changed over the past 10 years, though. I think it's implied that he cares a lot for Anakin over the past really? 10 years. Good they job. Say, and well, they say yeah, that. Cole, and which Cole is how do I, I talk to you, Cole? Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean I don't which care is, about you? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I get that. It's why I think it's poorly done, though, Because, but they also they just... And this movie is very heavy on like the, the the tell don't show, which I just hate. Like a, just meaningless exposition instead of like showing us things. Like visual storytelling is so much better because they they say things like that. Like oh he's my brother. Oh he's like a father, a father to me. And it's just like right, but we don't see any of that. Like all we see is Anakin, you know, whining a lot and an antagonistic relationship in, be- in between them both. Which is like I know that they had to like get there for the third movie, but like we don't see any of the uh, of the bro relationship that they were supposed to have. Like they should just... have built that up better in Phantom Menace. It's just the fact that they don't interact; they barely interact in Phantom Menace. And that's what I was kind of saying the last episode. You're already kind of playing from behind a little bit if this is a relationship that you want to build up by the last one. Instead, you focus on the guy that gets killed at the end of that movie. Which you know I like Liam Neeson, I like Qui Gon, but I'm just saying there are, uh, there are better ways you could have orchestrated this whole thing. Um, speaking of Obi-Wan, I think it's it's worthy to just bring up that I think the Camino subplot, uh, by the way, the, the whole Detective Kenobi subplot for the first two-thirds of this movie that he's on, that's the, that's the saving grace of when we're switching back and forth between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Every time with Anakin and Padme, it's like, oh, God. But every time we go back to Kenobi, it's like a breath of fresh air. Let's segue, <laughs> let's segue into the things that we like about this movie real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you right now, okay, right off the go. bat. Dexter Jetster. I wanted to bring that up. So you bring up Detective Obi-Wan, right? Yeah. What's more Detective Noir than meeting someone in a diner? Space diner. That, 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 what that's do you really know? bad. Why does oh. it have to be like a... Why is it like a 50s diner with a waitress oh, who's a robot who has like a... Because why has like not, a Josh? Brooklyn accent. I'm like, what is going on here? Like... And, oh, I'm just sorry. Northern I, I will admit that I, you know, I do like Dexter Jetster, but it just might be it's for not the memes northern. Of it. It's a it is a Brooklyn, <laughs> New York accent. That's what it Lots is. Lots of places have a Brooklyn. How deep your pocket book is. I, I'm a fan what? of Dexter Jetster, but I will not argue with anyone who does not like Dexter Jetster. I did write down. I do think it it would have been kind of cool if that creature design and that character was practical, and we had like a kind of a cool big you know, alien design suit made. That would have been kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, overall, it's not. It's probably not the most well put together scene in the world. But I, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll concede. I'll concede. It's not, it's not the very that was really, not great filmmaking there. That was really good, Cole, by the way. That was a really good impression. Um, so I, I'm with you, Zach. One of my favorite parts of this movie is Obi-Wan's storyline because it is he's solving a mystery or at least trying to. The mm-hmm. one part about it that I don't like is like, why does he have to get approval on like four different times to go do this thing? And then he gets showed up by the little jet. Like Yoda pretty much like just eats his lunch in front of these kids. 
where he's like, let's see if we can figure out this, this idiot Obi-Wan and figure find his lost planet. <laughs> how how <It's> embarrassing. Like, <laughs> and the, the, li- the librarian is like, well, if it's not in our records, Oh, she's snarky. Exist. I don't like her. Do not like Why her. Was... But I agree. No, in, in general, I agree. His, his whole arc, at least, again, for the first two acts of the movie are, are, are great. Um, I do I'm like I'm going to say... I'm going to say one thing that I really liked about this movie. It's a very minor thing, but the when Obi-Wan is in his ship and he is um, trying to get away from Boba Fett, or from, uh, excuse me, from, from Jango and his son, uh, his the, sonic, the sonic, yeah, thank you. The sonic mm. bomb that they drop, the sound design on that is so cool. That was, that was my big positive. We might talk about that a little bit later. We might talk about what this, you wanted the seismic bomb and an asteroid field to be practical, Cole. No, let's be realistic here. Let's be no, he didn't. He did not do that. No, he didn't. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Let's have, let's keep just, let's keep the criticism fair at least if we're gonna. <laughs> no, I do. Okay, well, you know, it's but that's also worthy to bring up because that's one of the many action set pieces in this movie, and I think one of the positives of this movie compared to Phantom Menace is that tonally and pacing wise, it's just more cohesive in the sense there's a lot more action in this movie than there was in Phantom Menace. And it kind of, you know, it, it comes at a pretty healthy, healthy pace. You know, we have that, that scene, uh, which, you know, I agree, Josh, I like that scene a lot. Uh, I do like this lore with Jango Fett and the, the clones. I, I think Camino is a cool design of a world. I think the fight with Jango Fett and the rain looks cool. There are certain parts that are pretty absurd, like, you know, Obi-Wan saving himself on that rope when he falls and whatnot. But, you know that I I can I can forgive things like that. Uh, you know, but it overall it's in terms of the best action set piece of the movie. I would I, I would almost have to say that speeder chase in Coruscant as absurd as that is too, because the sound design once again is so good during it. Uh, I love the way that whole like that chase one. sounds, uh, and then it, you know it. it, it uh, kind of uh, ends up in that club with the 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 Buffalo Wild Wings of of Coruscant, and we're we're watching all these you know the droid football game and stuff. But the one the one positive of that that I wrote that down, and I even re I even rewound <laughs> it to make sure I wasn't crazy. For a split second, I think you hear a a salacious B Crumb laugh, and salacious Crumb Josh, of course, is uh, that little bat thing that hangs out with Jabba in Return of the Jedi. That's like. <laughs> You know that little, little that, thing? That's awesome. <laughs> that, that, I didn't catch that. Yeah, you can hear a little. I don't know if it's supposed to be him or just his species, but he's in there. <laughs> that's so that's my that's my guy. I also think they could have done that scene better if uh, if the club wasn't like empty. It's so funny that they're like, oh, he went into this club and they're like, you're expecting it to go into like a, I don't know, just like a bumping club where they're going to have to like feel their way through, maybe use the force to like find out where this person is. But no, it's 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 basically just empty. There's a few people in there making bets on pod races and whatever, but it's for the most part. That's what I'd be doing. It is an empty club, and I'm just like, Under. what? There's the guy who wants to sell Obi Wan death sticks. That's the guy yeah. from Matrix. That's the that, mouse that guy bastard. from Matrix. But he wants to go home now and rethink his life. Yeah, I don't think Obi Wan should manipulate this guy's entire life perspective, but go ahead i guess they just star wars took like, a, a, a stern stance on drugs right there. i like that obi-wan just heats himself out the window immediately when he sees that robot uh you know <laughs> that's pretty like, it's mine just hop you know, straight like, out. here's an example of how convoluted uh this overall oh, here script go. script here, here is though is that we get uh sidious 
gets Dooku, to get Django, to get a changeling, to get a robot, to get a bug, to get Padme. Thank you for bringing that up, Zach. It is, I'm Great. like, why didn't you just like, if you're a sniper, why didn't you just try to snipe her through the window instead of sending this thing into the end of the end of her bed or whatever that's all of that's just bad bugs i hate and bugs why does because it because the wh- bugs had to make them paranoid but why is it a changeling if they never change and she covers her face the entire time she changes at she the end when change. she dies she changes at the end when she dies yeah well she changes back into her original form but she's holding this like yeah the entire form. scene would play yeah. out the exact same if she was not a changeling yeah the more you think about it it really I, doesn't matter at all <laughs> i left i left audibly me and sam were watching this the other night and i laughed audibly when she gets when uh she gets shot and <laughs> obi-wan just goes toxic dart and you're like yeah no sh- no shit it's a toxic <laughs> dart no shit that's man that's jedi that's jedi power man yeah <laughs> yeah. Corey, do you have a favorite action anyone. scene from this movie, Corey? I, well, I didn't. I, I think the uh, the initial chase. I, I enjoyed that one pretty heavily. Um, I think that what about one was Dooku fighting good. Uh, Yoda. What about this Yoda? Yeah, I mean that one fight? always has. It, it felt kind of like it. It felt a little slow compared. Definitely compared to. Well, not the not the Yoda one because I think when Yoda gets in there, Yoda's just jumping all over the place and it speeds up quite a bit. But I I don't think it like in comparison to our other previous main lightsaber fight we saw with Darth Maul. I don't really think it compares. I think the Darth Maul fight is just so much better. Um, so it didn't really do much for me in that case. I was gonna ask what you guys thought of the uh the main fight in the arena with all the Jedi that came. I was like it it felt. It felt I really CGI. over the top. CGI. CGI. It felt just so. Well, here's my issue with it. It felt so over the top, and it felt like it was missing what Star Wars always like did so well. It felt like because usually what Star Wars does really well in like the originals and even some parts in Phantom Menace, you see these like these characters who just become larger than life and these really small scenes that they just like take up the entire world and they feel like it's just them you know and then you have the in in, uh attack of the clones you have these really big scenes where your main characters are just a small piece and it's like you're not really growing with them you don't really feel the weight of them it just feels like they're nothing because beforehand like when a jedi died it was like oh my gosh like i mean you had obi-wan in the original series you had qui-gon in the second in the in phantom menace and then all of a sudden in attack the clones i mean you had lots of jedi die just here and there and it was like it was nothing i was like it it, was cool to see all the jedi like you know lightsaber at the same time though it could have been done so much better factor yeah it was the initial factor that you were like oh this is so cool you have them all out here but then after like you started seeing what was going on i was just like okay like what what's what's what are we doing here? What's going on? Is this yeah. how we save two people? We send in the the entire three army people. to do it? Like, go ahead, Cole. Is this how we save three people? I'm sorry, two Jedi. Is this how we? Because the the Jedi were there for the Jedi. So we don't trade lives, Captain. You know, you you say we we see these characters become like larger than life. This, in fact, is something we have never seen. We've never seen a giant lightsaber. Yeah, I think that's pretty like cool. This. That's why I like that. that. Was, yeah. It and is. I I don't think Lucas he he wanted so much. I don't think he knew when to say enough was enough. I think that's oh, the best way of describing that scene. Because there, yeah. there could have been a moment like you pull it back 
Then he was like, no, CGI clones. No, CGI droids. No, well, uh, you, C-3PO's you, head's on a droid's body, and he's trying pretty, to kill it's a pretty Jedi. bad jokes there, yeah. It <laughs> felt like when, uh, you know how, like, eating fruit is good, but if we if you eat, like, a ton of fruit, it's bad for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like <laughs> that's that. That's what... It, that's yeah, what it felt Padme like are eating fruit. Like, by the way, that scene we talked about earlier. Brief aside. You notice they're just With eating, the cutting into pears. Fork and knife. Yeah, fork and knife, cutting, cutting into pears. <laughs> never, never mind. <laughs> never mind the bad dialogue of that scene. But it's like she was, she was getting ready to cut up a pear with a fork and knife, and then he proceeds to just bring it over to him and do the same freaking thing. <laughs> and then one of the, I mean, it's just one <laughs> of the one being of the, a gentleman. One of the worst lines <laughs> in it. any Star Wars movie. Maybe the worst line is. Master Obi Wan would be yeah. very grumpy if he saw me do this. That is, he yeah, actually says. That he down. actually says that. That's, that's in the movie. <laughs> he also <laughs> when, he, wow. no, when he when he fucks up his lightsaber, he goes, "Obi Wan's gonna kill me." Oh, that's you know, I can I could stomach that. I can stomach that one. The grumpy one is pretty bad though. I do He's think so the all of them, all of the you know that whole big uh, climax battle with the Jedi showing up and and you know getting the clone army. I think. And they could have probably written this better into the movie, um, but this is, in a way, kind of the downfall of the Jedi because when they they say at the beginning of the movie that Mace Windu says like Jedi are keepers of the peace, not soldiers. So if you really wanted to make a you know a nuanced look at the fall of the Jedi from a moral standpoint, a public perception standpoint, and then a literal life and death standpoint by the end of Revenge of the Sith, the fact that they do become you know generals, soldiers, you know military, pretty much. And Josh, where at this point it's kind of also stretching into like what that's pretty much what the Clone Wars TV show is, is that it's you know a lot of these Jedi are commanding you know battalions of clones. All of them are, right? Even and it's, the Padawans become commanders. And by the in that it kind of informs the way they talk about in the later seasons of Clone Wars and a bit in Revenge of the Sith is like okay, this is not what Jedi were intended to be. Like the the idea of us yeah. being peacekeepers is so backward now, you know, and that and that plays a part in how they were able Darth Sidious was able to you know take advantage and destroy them because you know that wouldn't have happened the whole clone betrayal thing could not have happened you know sorry spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Revenge of the Sith if there's anyone out there but that whole betrayal couldn't happen if they were not in that role to begin with you know you know as part of this military it would not have gone down like that so I think they could have done a better job of dealing with the weight of that because it all starts there if the Jedi were on that plane yeah, the, the, I mean, literally like immediately that. is... Oh, I was thinking wow, the same thing, Cole. Uh, well, you know, honestly, that's probably true, Cole. Uh, them and Mark Wahlberg. I was thinking of the opposite. But... If Mark Wahlberg was the general at the time, it wouldn't have happened. I was thinking of the opposite. Yeah, that's an... If yeah, I was the general, <laughs> Darth Sidious wouldn't have taken over. It wouldn't have gone down like that. If my kids if my kids were in that Coliseum, it wouldn't... Yeah, okay, yeah, Mark, okay enough Mark Wahlberg <laughs> 9-11 quotes. But, so you guys, uh, you guys want to hear a, a, a really cool little tidbit? That I read, yes, and this nope. is this is this is straight off of um, um, IMDb trivia about the movie. Is that uh, Samuel L. Jackson pushed to have a purple lightsaber, even though George yeah. Lucas did not additionally want to give him that. one. But he I also, do. after the movie, had um, "bad motherfucker" engraved on the hilt of the of his lightsaber that he kept, oh, like as, a, as as his prop. Yeah. So I just thought that was a, a nice. I like little... that. I do like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, Mace yeah, Windu is a bad motherfucker. I like the way that he ISOs uh, Jango oh. Fett. I like that we get a little mini boss fight with uh, he. In the way that he goes up there and clean cuts his head off, and just kind of like doesn't like look down and confirm the kill, just kind of like cuts it off and just stands there without looking. It was like a no look kill. It was yeah. that's. 
Mace Windu's, uh, you know, they, they say in this movie is that when he, when Anakin, I do like, you know, just also about Obi-Wan, when Anakin's propping up Obi-Wan, like, he's like, oh, he's as wise as Master Yoda and is as powerful as uh, Master Windu. So I guess that, you know, you set it up like that, and they're clearly the leadership of the Jedi Council is that, you know, Yoda probably is the leader, but, like, he's the wisest, and Master Windu's probably the best swordsman, and Obi-Wan's kind of the mix of that, I guess. But uh, I, I like that we set up that dynamic. We get more of Samuel L. Jackson here, which is good. He uh, he has that moment where him and Dooku are, like, having this moment where he just goes, I don't think so. You know, that's a good, that's like, a good, uh, oh, that's a good, um, yeah, I was say, what do we think of Dooku? You, you, Josh, do you like uh, Christopher Lee here, uh, Saruman here as Dooku? Um, I love Christopher Lee just in general. He just has great screen presence. Um, I, I like the character of Dooku. I do think that it's interesting that as he is the main, I guess, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he is the main villain of this movie, but we don't see yeah. him until... Kind of like how Maul was last movie. We don't see him until like 90 minutes into the movie, which is kind of a bummer. Um... And they don't set up well, like the, because um, they make reference to well, he's Count Dooku, but Darth Tyrannus, it's it's the same person, mm-hmm. and it's like if you're if you're deep into Star Wars lore, like like yeah, you get that, but it's like they don't make that abundantly clear either, and it just makes, any, anytime they reference it, it just creates more of the convolution that we, in the plot, I think, in my opinion, unnecessary just, convolution. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It's. It's fine. I do have one. Um, somebody mentioned the fight between uh, Dooku and Yoda, and and while I do like it, um, I don't like. I wish they would have switched the order because, in my opinion, it makes way more sense for them to like. All right, let's let's saber fight first, um, and like you know, if we if we end up in a draw in that, then it because to me, like a Jedi's real power is the Force, right? I think we can all agree, like their real power is their control of the Force or whatever. So it makes way more sense to me for them to be like, well. Clearly, we're at a draw when it comes to our saber skills. Now, let's see who has more control of the force. But they do it the opposite way, where they're like, they try to force each, you know, throw some crap at each other, and they're like, well, clearly this isn't going to work. So let's bust out our sabers. So, so I, I mean, so I do think that they would have, it would have been better if they would have just like switched the order of that. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I do like the the twenty seconds we get, not even ten seconds we get of Anakin with two lightsabers. That's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it a cool visual in there. But he gets very... oh, he gets fucked. He gets fucked sideways by Dooku on that. And the trailer for the movie, if you remember, makes it seem like uh, that's going to happen way longer. But it lasts. To your point, it lasts for like ten seconds. And you're like, all right. And, and it, I guess it plays into like Anakin's not ready. He, you yeah, know, he's... yeah. I'm kind of glad that he gets kind of beaten the fuck up there. Yeah. So I did find this interesting when you're rewatching it after you see that fight. Yeah, he he does. Met like fuck him up just because Dooku is overall the better swordsman. He's way more trained. But if you like listen, Christopher Lee is like breathing really heavy. Dooku's supposed to yeah, but he's supposed to be out of breath. No matter how powerful he is, Anakin can still take this guy on his like best day. Is well is like maybe as a swordsman maybe. Yeah, but I mean, this guy's got experience and he's wiser, and you know, he his midichlorian count isn't as high, man. So, yeah, yeah, well, we can. No one's. I do like that when uh that that initial introduction to Dooku with Obi Wan, and you know, Obi Wan's in that suspended little 
prisoner moment, which I like. I like that he's it's not like a cell, and he's he's gets to you know Duke gets to do a three sixty walk around him because he's just hanging there. That's kind of cool. I um, you find there there is a moment where he says to Obi Wan, he's like, "Together we can destroy the Sith." Right. That's what I was gonna bring up. Is like this is so, I I wonder because he is he's like, "What if I told you that the Senate is under the control of a?" It's like okay, he just gave you the answer. And this guy is literally the Supreme Chancellor. <laughs> it's like, and you guys still couldn't figure this out? I mean, I guess you assume that Duke was fucking with you, but how do you have three years between this and Revenge of the Sith without them just, you know, I think this guy might be a Sith, you know, this Palpatine guy. You know, this is, I mean, I do, I think it's an interesting scene. It, it just, what it means for the next movie, it's not really paid off very well, I don't think. It's like forgotten. Rose Byrne is also in this movie. Yeah, Rose, a little Rose Byrne cameo there. Well, not cameo, obviously, because she's not famous then, but I do like a, it's like kind of Kira Knightley in Phantom Menace. It's like, oh, someone who became way famous later with a very, very, very small role in one of these prequels. Also like Joel Edgerton in this movie. Same yeah, thing. So, Just, so I, I did want to bring this point up. So Lucas got so much flack for Jar Jar in The Phantom Menace. And mm. to compensate for that, he gives Jar Jar a serious role. The now, biggest Charger's... fuck up to date. His biggest fuck up to date. <laughs> Charger legitimately gives the guy emergency powers. I felt like uh like kind of like Matthew McConaughey at the end of Interstellar when he's like he's like Murph, no, don't let me leave. It's like I'm like banging on the wall, like Jar Jar, don't give him emergency powers, Jar Jar. He is the he's the Dark Lord, Jar Jar. He's playing you. But it you know, at alas, is what had to happen for this to all play out. And who knew that Jar Jar would play such a key role in the fall of the Republic? <laughs> it's so just Josh. What, Josh, were you happy to see Jar Jar make a, make his triumphant return after Phantom Menace back in the theater in two thousand two, when you saw Jar Jar come up and say, "Master Annie, uh, looky looky, Senator, it's a Jedi arriving." When you heard him say those magical words, were you were you feeling? Like just so happy to be back in Star Wars land, or were you pretty pissed that he was back? Uh, not happy, not happy that he was back. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, and I think that they, they did. They, you know, he's obviously only in a very short part of this movie, so I think it's by design, realized, probably. Yeah, by design, absolutely. Um, and I, and and just as a side note, I feel bad for um, Ahmed Best, Ahmad Best. Yeah, because I know he got a lot of um. Thank God this wasn't back during the age of Twitter because I'm sure it would have just been even worse. But I know he got a lot of critique from just fans around the world just for just how bad that that whole thing went. Um, so while I think it's it adds a little bit of pathos to have him just be a continuous character in the storyline, they they minimized his his appearance in the final cut. I'm sure there's probably a, a longer cut of this movie where he's got some extra scenes, but. They just needed to cut him out as 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 much as possible. And, and and to be quite honest with you, I think they did. If they were going to have him in this movie, just as like an introduction into to kind of say, oh, well, all these characters know each other at the beginning, like so he's kind of just helping bring that all back. In that sense, I think it makes it makes more sense to do it that way, and then just kind of cut it off. But my God. Uh, Probably should. Probably yeah. should. Probably, probably. I just. I think. Uh, you know, Lucas. You're right. He could have just cut it off. But this was like. He was like, yeah, I did something bad, and then like he saw a button that said overcorrection, 
And I feel oh. like he hit it like 35 times. I think this is probably the right amount of Jar Jar if there was a right amount of Jar Jar. You know, I, maybe the right amount of Jar Jar is no Jar Jar. Maybe Revenge of the Sith really nails it where we just see him as a passerbyer at a funeral. I think that's a nice that's a nice touch. It's like, okay, this character is alive, but you don't have to hear him talk. It's like, okay, that's all we need. Uh, that's, you know, it's just, you know, just to fill in that blink, uh, blink map in the lore a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there, any, is there anything? Uh, oh, one last thing I want to bring up. Uh, I feel like people brush over when we refer to this character in general. And I never forget. I never forget this. And I will never forgive this. R2 blatantly tries to murder 3PO. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I get that they weren't friends yet, and they just met, really. I mean, I guess they met earlier in Phantom Menace time a little bit, too, but they weren't really, like, you know, cool with each other yet. They hadn't had that, those years of friendship that's implied in the original trilogy, but he just pushes them off that ledge in the in the factory sequence, which, by the way, is, if you wanted to cut an action sequence, probably could cut the cut. factory scene. Uh, yeah, but absolutely. really doesn't do anything for me. But yeah, R2's so, a, kind of a shithead. So why does, why does R2 all of a sudden have rockets? Yeah. Uh, where he's able to like rocket out of that little because uh, we have CGI now, Josh. <laughs> okay, yeah. George Lucas enough. discovered but, all new ways to show it, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, so, that's always bothered me. Yeah. Somehow technology got worse in this galaxy in like the next like twenty five years or whatever. I mean, but, it's absurd uh, what he can do in Revenge of the Sith when we really get to what R two does in the opening sequence so, of that movie. So I I um. I've I've like watched a ton of commentary and apparently like Anthony Daniels was a huge asshole to Kenny Baker who was famously R2 um so I wonder if this was Lucas's way of like giving him some comeuppance and like just like it's no way <laughs> I hate to say this but I think you're giving Lucas too much credit in this in, in that particular scenario Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, you know, I do like the, I like the thought, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I think Lucas just thought it would be funny if, if R2, you know, became a sociopath and C-3PO got his head switched uh, with a battle droid. Uh, ha, 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 ha. So um, I want to I I bring up something else. Um, it bothers me that, and Star Wars does this, this is not specific to this movie, but just across the, the entire saga, if you will, where it's like. It's almost like forget everything you know, and um, we the characters can only remember stuff that happened in the last movie, and I, this bothers me because like Anakin, for example, like we just meet him and now he's like I've thought about Padme every day since since we've been apart. Really, uh, okay, and then he's like I've had dreams about my mom every night since since the events of Phantom Menace, and it's like we. <laughs> Your character would have been so much more um, sympathetic and the growth would have been so much better if you could have just not brought up stuff that we already know from the first one. And then like, does it, does that make sense? Like, I, I just think that like, and also you have, why, why, why has he not gone and freed his mom at this point? If you've had your, the powers that you have for yeah. long enough, like this is like. You'd assume the you, Jedi would allow a little field trip every once in a while. It's yeah. the whole emotional attachment. detachment thing. I mean, we learn know? about it later. Like, Obi-Wan never got to go home. Like, we learn about it in I actually don't know TV. where Obi-Wan is from. Uh, I'm sure that it's it's clear in lore somewhere, but I actually... He's from Earth. <laughs> he's, from, he's from Fenton. 
Yeah, he's from he's, he's from he's from Jeff City. Yep. No, but like yeah, <laughs> he's a Jeff Coke. So, he's, he's, like, Jeff he's like Ca- Jefferson County. <laughs> he's like Captain. He's like Captain Kirk. He's from the Midwest. He's from Iowa. <laughs> Oh, he's not from saw, Earth. Saw he's the from Earth. Missouri. I know. I oh, know. now we're doing Guardians of the Galaxy now too, Cole. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. That was uh, Infinity War, but okay. Right. But okay. Yeah. Either way, you're doing Star Lord. Either way. I um I want to talk about um so we have all these moments where we're supposed to believe Padme is getting like growing a softer side for Anakin, and like that's why she goes to Tatooine. Happens out of nowhere. Yeah, but uh, I I mean I was talking with Zach and Corey about this. There's that Corey's gone, by the way, guys. (laughs) In case you were confused why Corey's not talking, Corey left. Corey's Corey Corey left. Corey's uh, not here. Corey went away. There's the moment where he meets uh, Owen Lars. Oh yes. Joel Edgerton has like such a great actor. Love him and everything he's in now. But there's that moment where he goes. I'm Owen. This is my girlfriend, Baru. I guess I'm your brother. I mean, hearing like, girlfriend in Star Wars terms in this, it, it felt weird. It's kind of silly. Like, yeah. But also, like, what Just the feel like fuck? that's my fiance Has or we're married. You can be married young. Just say this is my wife, Baru, and we live here. That's fine. My, my whole thing is, like, what fucking world do you live in where you're, where you're just, like, blatantly saying this to some random guy you've never well, met? Well, it's not to. random. I guess you're my brother is kind of what I would say to some guy I've never met who apparently is my brother that I guess, you know, you guess. So let's, let's talk about this, the utter stupidity of the plan to if, you know, when we get to the point where it's like, all right, someone needs to protect Padme and you guys need to go off somewhere secret so that you can protect her and like be safe. Let's go to her home planet. And hang out there where everyone knows this is where she's from. Not to mention that, like, as the audience, we know this, of course, or, or people who have seen, you know, uh, fans know this, but, like, you know, I guess the, the quote-unquote audience doesn't, hasn't been told this yet, so we don't know. But, like, Palpatine's from Naboo. So, like, if he <laughs> really wanted, if he, remember that? Palpatine's from Naboo. Uh, so if he really wanted Padme dead... As we are to believe, he can where, get the f- done. where the fuck do you think the first place he's going to look is? Sorry to, to all the kids out there for my use of expletives, but like, what is the plan there? And, and the Jedi is like signed off on this. Like, yeah, send her with this horny teenager to her home planet. I'm sure everything will be just absolutely fine. He's not a Jedi Knight yet, by the way. He's still a Padawan. Let's do that. I'm sure that's going to work out fantastic. Yeah, that's. It, it's odd strategy. I'm kind of confused by it too. I mean, like like you're saying, Josh. I guess the point is. I mean, here's the thing. I'm kind of torn. It's like, okay, did Palpatine want to kill her? Because he did like set up that explosion. You know, that is, you know, that comes down the line from him at the very tippy top. I'm sure there was 90 mediaries like there was with the bug and the assassin and whatnot. But like, also though, right after he insists that uh, Kenobi and you know, because he knows that Anakin is the Padawan, that Kenobi and Anakin guard Padme. And, you know, eventually his fear of losing Padme and, you know, as this series goes on is what, you know, drives Anakin to the dark side. So it's like, okay, wait, did you want to kill Padme or did you want to did you want to orchestrate Anakin being alone with Padme? So So maybe I mean, I guess maybe I guess my headcanon then I guess what I'll choose to believe is that he really did not want to kill Padme. And that's fair. Just genuinely 
wanted to blow up her decoy and make her think she was in trouble. Can, can we assume the Kira Knightley characters who got killed? Is that who got killed? I don't know. Or no, to get her, it was to a get different her, actress. To get her away from Coruscant and her influence in the Senate, like if that was his play, was to just be like to, to kill two birds with one stone in the sense that like not only am I going to stoke this um, these feelings in Anakin and get him isolated so he can like fully explore that, which I know where this will lead, but also we get her out of Coruscant where I know she's got influence so it'll be easier for me to do what I'm going to do at the, you know, in like the Char Senate. Jar. That's a good, well. <laughs> if only right, similar to Amidala were here. Yeah, that guy's line delivery is great. <laughs> it's just, okay. all right, l- let, me, let me ask you this. Um, so what, what do we all think of, I, I also don't think they do a good job of masking, like, at this point, we all, we should all know that Palpatine is the Emperor. He doesn't even do a good job of masking his voice or anything like that. They've, you know, like they've aged his face. Like he's starting to look more like him. He's he's speaking more like him. I don't know if that was Hair's done getting in, gray. in post-production, like with AR, like if they intentionally did that to his voice so that like we as the audience would know, but like the characters in the movie don't know. Um, but I just, I don't know. I feel like they could have just done that. If his if his true unmasking was to be in the in the third movie, they could have done a better job of like making that a smoother transition. I don't I don't know. It's... I think well no, I think they want you to know. Um, but I I don't think it was that clear because I actually had this discussion with my brother in law Rob uh, when we were watching Phantom Menace a few years ago. Is I I do think that they want you to know it's him by the end of Phantom Menace. Uh, because there's a line at the end of Phantom Menace where you know Mace Windu's like oh you know but. There are always two. There are, but okay, and, and the Mace Windu goes, okay, but who got killed? The apprentice or the master? And right after that line, they pan and then kind of settle on Palpatine. And then there's also, I mean, I get the internet and stuff is not a big deal, as big of a thing back then, but it is the same actor from the original trilogy. Yeah. So it's like, if anyone <laughs> yeah. knows the actor, then you're like, okay, you know it's him. So it's not like a big secret. Uh, but yeah, I think they could have, they still could have handled the transition, you know, probably in a more satisfying way. But I guess that, that that also just kind of goes into Revenge of the Sith, where that really actually does become the where he get the electric. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil. I, I'm sure everyone's seen it, but I'm still not gonna get into Ultimate the, the Revenge power, of the Sith stuff. Man. Right, 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 power. right, right, right. Let's face it. Anyone listening to this podcast has has seen all of these. Movies I'd assume. I'd assume. Yeah, I assume we can speak. Yeah, you know, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Yeah. What? So, whoopsie Daisy. I'm sorry. I'm sure that's a big shot. If there's anyone out there who does not know that twist, I'm sure the Empire Strikes Back twist is going to be fucking crazy to them. I'm jealous of them. But um, So let me ask you guys Josh, this. Let me, let me, what, I was going to say, Josh, can I ask you this really quick? So you have, you have a son. Ask him that. Um, I'm curious. if if Do you have a strategy in terms of the ages that you would roll out these movies to Crosby? Uh, and Ooh. and like, do you want to wait till... I mean, because they, they can be appealed to kids at a young age, but, or do you want to wait till when the twist of it, of like who Anakin is, or, you know, with Empire Strikes Back and whatnot, where it will actually hit, narratively speaking, or do you just kind of be like, oh, here's Star Wars, three-year-old son, enjoy. Which is kind of what probably all of us were, you know. That yeah, is a... didn't really hit. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, on the surface, I'm definitely excited to... Um, to roll these out to him when, when the age comes, but I haven't quite decided yet whether I'm going to do the in like chronological order. And I, um, well, I guess I should specify that. So, um, I guess chronological order might be like when they came out in theaters, like the theatrical release in like in that order, 
or if it's going to be like just start at episode one and go to to nine. I don't know. I think there's an argument to be made either way. Um, I think I probably will actually start with the New Hope now that I think about it, um, mm-hmm. because I I just think that the way that's rolled out, it benefited us obviously the people who had seen those and then we we kind of had that context and then you can kind of see what happened before. I just I think that plays better. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I I but I will say this: I could start doing it sooner if uh, if I choose to do chronological order of the saga because obviously the prequel trilogy um, was made more for for children and to and to sell toys than perhaps oh, the. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sure he'd eat up Jar Jar. I'm uh, sure he would just perhaps, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which of course I wouldn't love, but. Uh, <laughs> You gotta do what you gotta do in that sense. I mean, he's let the me, target audience, and it, you know, it is what it is. But let me let me ask you guys this: What do you? What are your thoughts on towards the end of the movie um, when they're on the the bug planet? I can't recall what the name of the bug planet Genosis. is. Genosis. Yeah, Genosis. Thank yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what are your thoughts on as they are as they are like losing and they and everyone's like fleeing? They throw up a a thing like a picture of the death star so in that sense we we are supposed to understand that they have already started plans for the death star like this is what what are your thoughts on that do you you like that i like it i actually do like that uh i forgot i always forget that it's in this i always i do remember that that we do kind of see it again spoiler again for revenge of the sith you you do kind of see it the the beginning of construction uh towards the end of revenge of the sith and i always remember that but uh, yeah, I always forget that we see the plans in this. But I do, I do like that we're planting that seed because you know this is a giant, you know, moon-sized weapon, you know. So it would take a years and years and years of planning, um, you know, and getting funding secretly from various places and all that. So I, I like that we're, we're, you know, that this has always been Palpatine's plan uh, to have, you know, this this ultimate weapon. So like I I do like that we're planting that seed. I don't know how much of a role the Geonosians are playing in it. You know this this bug colony. You know maybe they played just a small role. I I mean but I don't know. I I like to think that Dooku was kind of spearheading that. You know behind the scenes for Palpatine. Dooku Dooku played a role. Dooku played a role, and when his role is done, you know then then that his role is done for Palpatine. He played. He was just a part of Palpatine's plan, and part of it was to you know spearhead this whole you know clone clone army because he was lord tyrannus he's the one who put in the uh he's the one who contacted Django. that's what Django says he's like i was contacted by a guy named tyrannus not master sifidius and i mean i i guess i take that as truth because tyrannus is dooku so i guess that was the truth uh and then he's also the one that you know spearheads the this whole separatist movement which starts the war that you know ends up with palpatine getting emergency powers so i i, I do appreciate that aspect of while dooku thinks that he is you know truly this uh uh, you know this his one apprentice here, and he's in it for the long haul with Sidious. You know, at the end of the day, he Sidious is just using him, and it's always it's always been about getting Anakin to be his actual like apprentice. And you know, you see him working both sides of it here. Palpatine, I mean, working both sides of it. So it's always been about that. So you we are to understand, um, in the, under that reasoning that. Palpatine sensed even when he met Anakin when he was a child that this was ultimately going to be his apprentice like he knew back then he probably knew about the chosen one lord I mean there, there it sounds like there was a prophecy or whatever and he knew that Qui-Gon 
thought that this was the chosen one. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure he was made aware of that or became aware of that in whatever way. There's also, and, and it's hard for me to bring this up because I, I don't know where it comes from, but I did look it up and it, it is confirmed, quote unquote, canon. And I don't know if it's a comic or what, because uh, I, I know it's not in the Clone Wars um, that that it was Palpatine that orchestrated Anakin's conception to begin with. Somehow, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 that is technically canon somehow. Uh, I looked at like I so I confirmed that I don't it's not in Rebel, it's not in Rebels or Clone Wars so it's something I've watched outside of the movies and it's not in the movies either so I don't know but uh, I think yeah from an early on stage and you can just even write it off as you know dark side you know foreseeing because he always says oh it's as I foresaw so I mean I mean he might have just foreseen Anakin and known that he was going to be he was going to try to make him his apprentice or whatnot however you want to look at it so elaborate on that because. Just going back to, and I apologize if you talked about this in The Phantom Menace or whatever, but um, I hate the Immaculate Conception storyline thing where there was no father. It was just all of a sudden I was I was pregnant or whatever. I, I hate all that. Um, what? So elaborate on that in the sense that like Sidious organized or, or you know, yeah, organized the the pregnancy and the conception of Anakin. What do you like? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm looking it up right up now. at Shmi's door. No, no, he did not. I don't think it was anything like that. I don't think it was anything like that. He banged me. Is that what you're trying to say? I I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at it, Josh here. I looked it up. Like did, did, uh, it says Darth Plagueis and Palpatine, Darth Plagueis being Palpatine's former master before he, you know, betrayed and killed him, created the Sith quote unquote chosen one. I guess so. I guess I mean I guess the Sith chosen one and the the you know the Jedi chosen one was the same chosen one. It's just a battle of whose side he's on, is is kind of what I'm being led to believe here. Well, it's balance. Well, Whoever, oh, yes, yeah. It is. I mean, so it doesn't really matter because yeah, no I'm trying to see where it comes from. Though in the end, balance I should have done this research. Prevail. I should have some. <sighs> apparently, it's from comics that are technically still canon because i know disney decanonized a lot of it but it looks like this was made canon in comics or something i don't know if this was always lucas's plan probably not i'd assume it was not because he probably would have alluded to it i mean for all the shit he fits into this movie i'm assuming if that was his plan he would have found a way to allude to that uh because that's a pretty big plot point but no i don't know i guess it's yeah. it's canon you know at the end of the day you gotta respect canon <laughs> Do, do going we, off though? this movie alone, we don't know that. Uh, going off this movie alone, I, we don't have to because this movie does not make that clear and Phantom Menace did not make that clear. Phantom Menace, in this movie, we are supposed to believe, and that's what we have to operate on, is that this was an immaculate conception, you know, like Jesus Christ, you know, and that he was the chosen one of the force and all that. So, I don't know. And then I guess maybe Palpatine was aware of that and tried to manipulate it for his own goals. And, you know, for, largely he is successful, as we know, so... I find it very funny, and this is a, a slight spoiler for Revenge of the Sith, but I'm just going to, we've got some time, so let's just talk about it. I love and it's The Jedi, again, this, and this is my problem. I mean, I think that they, maybe something that they could have explored more was like that the Jedi are not all good. Like the idea, yep. of the Je- and that's something that's explored in The Last Jedi, which I think they could have tugged at that more, and, and it it would have been cool, but that there's not like black and white and the Jedi are not all good. But anyway, it's all of this talk about a prophecy. And then they say they're, they're walking and talking. It's Mace and Yoda. And he says a prophecy misread could have been. And it's like, really? Yeah. No shit. 
Well, I got you, guys, to, you kind of have to cling to it now because of the sequel trilogy. Because it's like, okay, did you really fucking get rid of Palpatine, asshole? Or did you really get rid of this, you know, Sith threat? The fact that, you know, shit is back to Haywire in the sequel trilogy. But, yeah, it's... It, yeah, you kind of have to cling to that. And there's also... And to get into it would be just opening up a whole can of worms. But there's also an, a quote-unquote arc in Clone Wars that revolves around Anakin uh, being part of this prophecy as a chosen one where he kind of declined, quote-unquote declines his destiny a little bit. And then that's kind of the last they bring up about it. And that's kind of in my head because I was so bitter about the sequel trilogy and the way that it ended up by the end of it. I kind of clung to that as canon. Like, okay, well, that's why it happened the way it did because Anakin took this path instead of a different one. And you know, I'll use this as my last my last time telling you, Josh. There's there's some great clone. I'm telling you this right now. Clone Wars is heads and heels. That's not the head over heels. I don't know. Either way, whatever the term is, it's way better than any <laughs> head and shoulders. Above. Head and shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds head and shoulders like it, I, above the prequel trilogy for sure. I'd in terms of content it. and writing. I love that. I also think they should have just brought back Darth Maul in this one, mm-hmm. um, and then. Yep. Had 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 Count Dooku be in in the third one more, and then like just I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like the that would have been an interesting the, conflict because you have a jaded uh, apprentice who's been you know left for dead and abandoned by his former master, and you know again no no spoilers for you or anyone who hasn't watched Clone Wars. It's a little different spoiling Clone Wars than it is you know spoiling movies that have been out for forty years and or you know twenty years with the prequels. But I won't spoiler how things go with Darth Maul and the prequels. But he is not on the side of Sidious. I will say that. He is not happy with the way things ended up by the end of Phantom Menace. And so he's kind of on his... He's not like a friend of the Jedi, but he's also not like a friend of Sidious. He's kind of on his own side when we meet him again. And Darth, Darth Maul, Maul being... Mean? Yeah, Darth Maul. Yeah. And it's it's pretty pretty good writing and pretty good content in that sense. Um, so it's... Yeah, it, it, it that would have been worthy to have in this movie. I think that would have been a good call because that would have just been a more interesting you know, conflict to follow, you know, it's, we, we already have the built in knowledge of who this guy is. So we're building off something we know from the previous, it would have made Phantom Menace matter more because that's already a critique against is that Phantom Menace is really not that essential to this prequel trilogy when it, when all said and done, it's really about attack of the clones and revenge of the Sith in terms of Anakin's journey. Uh, you know, so you, you, and I brought that up in the last episode too, is that you could have set that a little bit when Anakin's a little bit older. Um, but yeah, it's, there, yeah, at that point, we're just talking about a whole different movie. Just these could have been handled better as an entire trilogy by George when he was laying out the groundwork for it. It just reminds me of something. Um, so to bring up just very briefly, um, the sequel trilogy, when you watch this movie, but then you watch the first scene or the first couple scenes of The Force Awakens um, and you watch that as compared to this and you're like watching actual an actual battle on a practical set with like real explosions and people reacting and all that like it's just so why why couldn't you have done that like why did you have to do an entirely green screen movie like it would have played in so much better to the quality of these movies if you could have just used some practical some people in costumes and like and i'm gonna be honest with you guys like that first shot in the force awakens like one of the first shots in that movie is like the stormtroopers like, on in the that ship. Little ship, yeah, and and like the silhouette is showing them, and they just they look dope as fuck. And it's kind and of yeah, like, it's kind of unsettling, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, God, this is so cool. Um, so I, I just it's just I remember such a that hitting piece. me. I remember that hitting me, Josh, because it goes right into because I was coming off of these three movies, 
you know, where they all look like this. And, you know, you hadn't seen practical designs for that since the original trilogy, which, you know, has its own little, you know, kind of charm to it, but in an old fashioned way. But when we see it with a modern aesthetic, with actual good lighting, with modern cameras, with these actual costumes and whatnot, I remember immediately in the in the theater, like, just be like, whoa, whoa, we are like, that's we are We're actually back. getting a mod. Yeah, we We're are back. back. We are getting we a are modern so Star Wars movie back. A modern Star Wars movie made technically right. I will say because I won't I won't share my narrative thoughts on Force Awakens, but technically speaking, Force Awakens was made very very right. In yes, sense. and I'm glad you brought that up. I'm not saying that Force Awakens is without its was is is without its issues. Of course it is, and I think we all know what the main thing that we're talking about there. Oh, yeah. um, I do I do think the first half of that movie is just about as good of a Star Wars movie as it can be, and then it kind of falls apart. But but what I but I mean it's just like you. That's so much more effective than just like meaningless, like, like like the battle scene in the desert when like they're shooting down like the big uh, blimp ships yeah. and there's just like a, there's just like a huge battle going on and you're just like, this is all just like, this was all made in post. There's no real actors here. I don't really care who dies on either side. Like this is all just, yeah, it all just kind of falls flat to be honest. And like, I don't. Yeah, well, it's cold, uh, and it's it, it. There's like I like I I kind of said in the last episode a little bit, and the, it, it still applies here, and it'll apply again in Revenge of the Sith because it's just the entire aesthetic of this trilogy and the way that George Lucas wanted to make them is it, you're just kind of cold and detached. The humanity is stripped away a little bit because it is also, uh, you know, not not real. That I mean, that, that's the way to put it. And I think you know you can say, oh, there weren't the the technology to do this was not really available before this. And George Lucas kind of spearheaded that, you know, he's part of ILM, which is like that special effects company. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to do this was such a big deal that they thought that this was the coolest way to go because it was groundbreaking. And in that sense, I can I can respect that in a vacuum that, yeah, this probably looked better than any other person who would try to make this happen back then. It probably would look you probably did it better than anyone else would try to do it. But it's still inherently something like this is not going to age as well. Uh, you know, as something that's practical. Whereas, uh, you know, Josh, you're gonna, uh, to, to bring up the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which came out at around the same time as this, they use CGI in a very, very smart uh, and effective way because it was mixed with miniatures and yes. and practical practical sets expanded with CGI and adding adding in extras during large battle scenes mixed with like like I said on miniatures. So I mean, it's 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 blended seamlessly in a way that it 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 does is effective you do care yes because it does feel real whereas where all of this is cgi yeah you just can kind of it it takes you out of it a bit because you're like okay i'm watching you're not immersed anymore you're not really quite as immersed in the uh the visuals in the world that george lucas wants to put you in 100 percent. and shout out to weta uh, for that company's work on Lord of the Rings. Um, Great job. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. Shout out to Peter Weta. Jackson. Um, well, and but, Peter Jackson didn't learn the lesson, well, though, because he did this exact same mistake with in the, the Hobbit, Hobbit series. So that is, like, that's honestly even more baffling than this, because at least this was groundbreaking for the time, even if it doesn't age well and, you know, it might have been a mistake. At least at the time, though, it's still impressive for what they were able to do. And it's like, to your point, like, it's how it ties into this is like they they decided to do that and like you know you got a big battle scene like you have in in the attack of the clones but then like you, you juxtapose that to like 
the the scene in the two towers, which like that is a such a long battle scene, but it is done to your point with a lot of people in costumes, practical sets, like, and the, and the actors will tell you if you if you if you YouTube their comments on it, like shooting the Helm's Deep battle in in Lord of the Rings was grueling. It took like ninety like three months just to shoot that scene, um, which is a big part of the movie. But what did they get in return? It's one of the. I mean, in my opinion, mortality. It's a 45-minute battle Dawn scene on the fifth that is day. still one of the best battle the scenes that's ever been put on film. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah. you're in, in like you're you're locked into it, and in this sense, like you're just you're just not. And it's I don't know they. And again, someone brought up earlier how cool it is when like all the Jedi come in Geonosis and they like fire up their lightsabers and blah blah blah. And and on the surface, it's cool to see that. But it's just, it's done so poorly. Because some of them, like, the motions they do to, like... like Zach, you're wrong. He does that at Helm's Deep. Over their heads. with the, It's like, like they've never fired up their lightsabers before. And it's just so... <sighs> yeah. I wish... I, I, just, I just wish they would have spent a little bit more of the budget on, on that. And I think that the product they would have gotten in return would have been so much better. Um, I don't know. It's just... No, I can definitely agree with you, Josh, simply because uh, Tamora Morrison, who I really enjoy in this movie as Django Fett, he said up until the Obi-Wan series, he never actually stepped foot in a clone trooper uniform. That's pathetic. I mean, not on his part, just on, you know, no, George's uh, part. Yeah, I know what you mean. Set. Like, so genuinely... Lucas, yeah, I mean the they do look good in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, I'm not gonna say they don't, but and I do think that the oh sorry, go ahead. No, it's just sad. It's just sad that he he went against like the thing that made these films so groundbreaking too. It wasn't just the visual effects; it was the yeah. makeup, it was the costume design, it was the things that we take for granted when we watch these movies because we didn't get it in these movies we got in the old mm. ones 100 percent, dude and they like and, and that to your point of being in the old ones it's like i know you did practical sets in the original trilogy and it worked i know some of it was like puppets and blah, blah. you did like you know based on there's the time charm like, you even just when did it looks what fake, you had there's to do. a charm to it though even when there it doesn't look good there's a charm to that you hit the nail on the head dude there is a and, and the audience sees that we appreciate it and it just plays more into it i will say that like the use of the green screen does help in certain you know scenarios in these movies and the prequel trilogies in, in, in the sense of like universe building right like they can show us uh camino and stuff like that which like that's that's a well i'm just gonna say impossible practical set probably um, and then other things and like seeing Coruscant and like the chasing at the beginning of the movie and you're kind of going through Coruscant. Like I like all that, but like you gotta, you gotta find a mixture of both because mm -hmm. doing, I mean, and it's even present in one of our main themes of this discussion is just like the acting. And it's like, well, can you imagine what it's like to be like, read your scenes and you got to go do your scenes for the day. And then you're like, well, to be honest, you're doing this all on your own with a green screen backdrop, you don't even know it's going to be put there at the end of the day. Like yeah. you can read and probably did not help the performances. Yeah. But it's just like, you know how hard that would be. And like, these are Academy award winning actors. Like it's like Ewan McGregor, Samuel L. Jackson, like there's good, 
And it's like, you know how hard it would be to go and just be like, go say these lines. And this is, the script says what should be happening, but like, you got to just figure it out on your own. Yeah. You know, that's a great point, Josh, because like, I'm sure now that happens a lot now, you know, with Marvel movies and other sci-fi movies and really just Mm -hmm. any movie because people are too lazy to film on location, which is one of my big grievances with, you know, modern movies in general. Um, But this was probably one of the first and so people have adapted to it now actors are ready for it they're prepared for it and you know they might not be as great as you know a real practical like acting between real humans in a real place whereas this was probably one of the first movies to do that where you're just completely and i think it probably was because i think i remember george lucas commenting on on the commentary i listened to for phantom menace is that you know oh and he was like bragging about it he was like saying it as a brag like oh like that we can add all of this in post like we don't even have to put them here because like look how cool what i can do later and he thought it was so cool because back then you this was probably like the first big movie to do that and i i can't say that as a fact but i'm sure if if it's not the first it's one of absolutely one of the first so that that probably actors were just not ready for that type of thing yet and george lucas was not the director in terms of directing performances, you know, from a technical standpoint, sure, he's really good with special effects. But in terms of directing performances, he was not the one to actually get a good performance out of these people under these circumstances. You're not he's that not, guy, George. You're just not, not that guy. So here's 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 a hot take. George Lucas is not that good of a director. Ooh. Now, is he now before everyone freaks out, is he is he a visionary? Is he mm-hmm. Should he be celebrated for like, you know, having a having the creative license to bring something that was in his head and put it onto the screen and have it be one of the biggest pop culture things of all time? And like, yes, absolutely, no question. But a director that is a director has so much more that they're responsible for, and they are whether they like it or not, they are responsible for not only the production of the movie but getting what they need from the actors. And he's just straight up terrible at that. You can't do it. And he no. and he's even he even said, like if you listen to his commentary, there's a there's a documentary on Disney Plus about the creation of the the um the original series. He'll admit he he hates working with actors. He hates it. Yep. And he doesn't know how he doesn't know how to write dialogue. And like those two things are are, are a big deal. He so needs while a partner. I think- That's why the Indiana Jones movies are so good because he's working with Steven Spielberg. So he'll he'll come up he comes up with the stories, and that's what we kind of gathered while doing those movies, right? Cole is that George the ideas come from George for the overall stories, and the effects are largely also spearheaded by George Lucas, which he you know he is even if we don't like the way that he overuses them, it is objectively impressive what he's you know spearheaded with you know ILM and you know all the effects that he does. But like he needs, yeah, he lacks that human element and which is so weird because you can just little one off before Star Wars is American Graffiti, which is actually kind of like a dazed and confused movie, except like in the 60s instead of 70s. And it is just all human performances and it's actually really good. And so it's like, okay, where where did that go? (laughs) Where the, where the hell was that? And, you know, and then the the Star Wars prequels, that human element that you had then, but I don't know. I had, I had heard that he tried to get, um, he offered. He wanted Robert Zemeckis to to direct Phantom Menace. Can you imagine how good that movie would be if Robert Zemeckis I, yeah. directed it? I said it? that uh, on the last episode, Josh, is like because I think I heard that from you. Have you guys heard of all the actors that auditioned for Anakin? Yeah, uh, Paul I heard, Walker uh, was one was of them. I know Paul Leo Walker. was considered, wasn't he? Yeah, Leo but, was. Le- yeah, Leo, go ahead. But the the thing about Paul Walker is. They said his chemistry with Natalie Portman was so bad they couldn't oh even consider 
casting him in the role. I would like oh. to watch the tapes of all the people they said were worse than Hayden. I would like to see, I would like to watch these tapes. Paul Walker, rest in peace. And I love you know I love the Fast and the Furious stuff. I mean he's mm. great. I mean he's one of those guys that's like you love Sorry, him even though even though he's bad. Yeah, of course. But like he would have been a bad choice too. He's 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 also just not a very talented actor. I agree. Um, and like I I'm glad that they didn't choose him. Leo would have been. It's so hard to like, because on the surface, you're like, yeah, of course, Leo would have made this better. But I mean, sometimes just actors just don't feel like just because of Leo's talent doesn't necessarily mean that it's he the would material. Have, he would have been like is. Natalie Portman, because it's like Natalie, I think we could all, you know, probably not one for one. But Natalie Portman is on that same tier of acting talent as Leo would, you know, people would say Leo. And it's not okay. So Natalie Portman, while we would all say that her deliveries are better than Anakin's here by a, a mile, it's not like she's Meryl Streep here or something. It, and it's just because the material puts a ceiling on what you're actually able to do as an actor here. The lines, mm -hmm. you know, like so, like yeah, okay. Would it have been better with Leo? Objectively, yes. There's no way that he would have delivered it worse than Hayden Christensen. But right. it's not like this would have saved the movie in that sense. Cause it's just, it, the script is what it is. A new screenwriter would have done more good than a new actor. I think that's really I generally, I genuinely believe a, a better script would have done more help than a better actor. George Lucas is quoted as saying, you can look this up. He is quoted as saying that a, one of the main reasons why Hayden Christensen Christensen was chosen was because him and Natalie Portman looked good together. I mean, and, while uh, and while that is certainly important, I think you should have taken his acting chops into consideration as well. <laughs> Hot take. Just, just one one man's opinion. But, um, but he's so handsome. Let's talk about what are everyone's thoughts. I know we, we touched on it a little bit, but what were your react what was your reaction when you saw this movie for the first time and you saw Yoda fight? What's just um, what did, what well, did you think about it? So to put this into perspective, Josh, the first time I saw this film, I was probably like four or five. Mm. So um, I was like, oh, golly, gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my all my years. Because it, it was. I mean, um, now it's it, still. You were the target audience, Cole. That is exactly who George was making it for. It was four year old you. And you yeah. know what? If you loved it that way, you know, I mean, okay, cool. He hit his mark. It's so, just a question of if that's the mark he should have been shooting for. But. So I will say this. CGI still holds up. Like, in, moments, Yoda, in moments, it does. Yoda still looks good to me. Um, the flipping around, now I'm like, so Yoda's old. How does he do this? Uh, the Force. You can just write that off as the Force. Your feelings on it were... Exactly mine, because I can recall I went and saw this with my mom, and I just remember when the movie was over. Like I remember this distinctly, just being like, "That was the coolest shit I've ever seen." We just saw Yoda fight. Because I mean, like, you'd seen the pre, you'd seen the other movies before this, and you're like all you see of Yoda is just like a decrepit old Jedi. You can barely move, needs to be carried everywhere. Like just. You know, and then he die. He's like so frail. He dies in Return of the Jedi, and you're like, you're seeing just a way different Yoda here, which is, again, on the surface, very yeah. cool. Um, I don't. I'm still trying to reconcile how I feel about it now, like watching it with a critical eye. Like, I mean, it's yeah. it's 
I definitely I, agree with you. Like, it's not like this. It's not like, oh my god, Yoda's fighting now. That's really cool. It's. I mean, you can see how much this hurts him too, because there's the moment after where he like picks up his cane again, and he goes from this like agile. Like little fella to like this like decrepit, <laughs> decrepit old man. He's like, a little fella. Yeah, it's fair. Now, if the puppet of Yoda did that, I think this scene is like a thousand times better than CGI Yoda. But it would be hard to marry those images. <laughs> I think even for George Lucas and his all his wizardry in post production, it would have been hard to pull that off. But I do like clearly, there is one moment during the fight where he saves the them happy at the end. Time murders. I clearly haven't, and I clearly never will. Uh, there is a there is a part towards the end of this this fight where I don't remember exactly. I think it's when Yoda saves uh, Anakin and Obi Wan when Dooku tries to crush them with something, and Yoda catches it with the Force. There, John Williams does put in a nice little 10 seconds of the Yoda theme from Empire Strikes Back, um, which I'll, I'll, I'll admit worked. It worked. That worked for me. I was like, yeah, grievances put away that that you you hit that fan button for me in a very, very precise way to where I can I can overlook the flaws visually of Yoda jumping around during this lightsaber fight. So like that. Overall, I, I think about I don't have strong thoughts towards this whole Yoda fight scene, but I do skew more positive than negative. I, I don't really have a problem with it, put it that way. I think the noises he makes are a little kind of weird while he's jumping around, but uh, that, that would be my only little nitpick with it. I actually don't mind that um, because to your point, I think that you, you they're trying, I mean, like he's, he's, he doesn't do this often anymore, or if we were to assume that he ever did. Um, so he's, he's channeling just about as much of his energy as he can to do this. So I kind of like the little extra like uh, 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 that he does. Um, I don't know. And like, and to my point, like to what I mentioned earlier of like the, the order in which they do this, because in the, in the revenge of the Sith, um, they, they do it in the, in the correct order. I think where like they, if I recall correctly, don't they start out with their saber battle and then they kind of just like start mm-hmm. him and Sidious use the force to kind of like throw things at each other. And that's, that's yeah. after. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. spins. He spins the thing, and then he the throws Senate it at chair him. thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll give also, him this. It was it was a hype moment when you when you see when you see him flick out his little his little tiny little guy lightsaber. You're like, oh cool. shit, this, dude. The, the oh shit moment for me is when he catches that electricity from Dooku, and then you think Dooku's about to like put him on his ass with that electricity, that that Sith and electricity, he says, like much, to and learn. he just harnesses it, and he's like much to learn. You still have it's like okay, there is a reason why Yoda is the the Jedi master, the wisest one, the most ancient, most powerful, you know, learned one. Yes, like that. That's cool. That is cool. And I know my brother Sam. I'll give him Josh. You gave him a couple shout outs earlier. I'll give him a negative shout out here. He he has gone on record with me and says that this scene does nothing for him. Uh, which I don't know. I mean, somewhere along the line, he, he, he gained a Yoda hatred somewhere and he just doesn't think this is that cool. But, uh, I disagree. I don't think it's like, Oh, the bee's knees or anything. It's not even my favorite scene in the movie, but it's, I, I think it's cool. It's one of the better scenes in the movie for me. I think that whole scene is definitely one of the positive or more positive aspects. Can you say the bee's knees once an episode, please? I like the bee's knees a lot. I'll say bee's knees as much as I want. It's Sorry, appropriate. It's, it's it's appropriate in this setting, but no, I I agree. That is, 
I will say that is more exciting even nowadays. Like when I just watched it, I was like, oh yeah, like he, this is something that we didn't know that he could harness before and seeing him do that. While it's cool to see him fight, like, again, I'm just going to circle back to like, I would have, it would have been so cool to have them like saber battle first and then show every, like Yoda's complete control of the force and like have them do some cool like force stuff back and forth would have been a good like finale to that battle. Um, while I'm thinking of it before I forget, <laughs> do you guys think it's funny, uh, Count Dooku's little like curved dick uh, hilt to his <laughs> to his lightsaber? That's a great way to describe it's nice it. Um, it's a nice quirk. That, I like that there is some variety to the hilts. I think there's some personalization yeah. that goes on there. Yeah, I agree. And it's just good world building. Good world building. <laughs> That shows where my mind's at. Like, that was just the first thing I thought. I was just kind of like chuckled a little bit. But I love the lore of like, um, which is something this movie doesn't do well to uphold is like the lore of like a Jedi's, one of the Jedi's final things, like the construction of their lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Like they mentioned, they mentioned that multiple times. And it's like, I cool. I think even, even you mentioned it earlier. It was like Anakin loses his lightsaber like three times during this movie. And it's just kind of like a laughed off thing, like, oh, Obi-Wan's going to be grumpy. He's a teenager. It's He's sloppy. Sloppy. He's sloppy. And it's just like, they do it in Revenge of the Sith, too, where it's just like, they kind of just like, people losing their lightsabers is no big deal. And it's just... Yeah. It was a big deal. It's, I had to fucking spend like an hour mission uh, in Jedi Fallen Order to go get my lightsaber. It's a big fucking deal. It's hard. <laughs> it's it's not it's not an easy task they give you to go get your lightsaber. Yeah. To go I get mean, your uh, kyber crystal is actually the hard part. To get the crystal that creates the lightsaber. I should be I more mean, specific. There is stuff that Lucas himself, who created this universe, laughs off in these movies, and it it's upsetting. You know. Uh, it's his universe to laugh off, but yeah. But he doesn't care about the fans, man. Oh, I don't. I, I, you know what? This is not even a Star Wars comment. This is just an in general comment for pop culture IP. If I watch one more IP that cares about the fans, I, I don't want to be cared about as a fan anymore. I really don't. Because that's usually the worst ones are the ones that seem like they're caring too much about the fans. You know what I mean? Like, just stop trying to, you know, worry about the story you're trying to tell and not trying to hit these fan pleasure buttons, okay? While you're putting together these movies. I don't, I, I want a story, not Easter eggs, you know? Yeah, That's, and they can be, they can, to your point, they can be useful um, if they're used smartly and correctly and I'll, I'll just say sparingly. Um, but yeah, I think that's the detriment of not only the prequel but also the sequel trilogy um, is just trying to give us some fan service where they think we need it when in reality what we want is a, a story that makes sense from beginning to end and that shows character growth um, and, and all of those things. And they just, unfortunately they sacrifice some of that and it's just, I, I don't know. I, well, Josh, we'll be sure to have could, you on for uh, one of the prequel, the sequel movies, because I can tell you right now, I think one of those movies embodies the more positive aspects you highlighted there. And I think another one highlights all the more negative ones you just highlighted there. And I think they kind of fit very nicely into separate boxes in terms of which movies, but I want to, I want to talk to you guys about Mace Windu. Oh, okay. Let me get a, if we're talking Mace Windu, let me get another beer really quick. Let me, let me he, grab. 
like Zach, I've watched Clone Wars and I've watched Tales of the Jedi and it informs more on Windu's character. And there's that scene in Revenge of the Sith where, you know, he's not as pure as like Lucas would like us to believe he is, you know? Well, I think he's a little bit blinded. I think he's I think he's a he, little bit he, uh, arrogant, maybe, so, even. So we talk about that all these Jedi, they aren't perfect, right? Anakin talks about, like, sending an army out in force and, like, making people obey. Well, he's, of, well yeah, Anakin's a unique case yeah, there, too. Though. Yeah, but... He becomes a tyrant. <laughs> you, you have people who believe maybe the Jedi should, you know handle shit and that's who mace windu is he doesn't trust people he thinks we are peacekeepers so peacekeepers should rule to therefore keep peace he he worked too hard on his saber skills and not on his uh on his uh you know, wisdom being one, being one <laughs> with the force that's- his badass linery though is uh second to none this party is over I do like that. I do. Yeah. And like, I yeah. I brought up. I do. Oh, you don't like. You don't like him saying that. In I no. That. In no world do I expect a Jedi to say party. Oh, I do. What kind of Jedi have you been talking to? It's it's this kind of realism Lucas creates. Like, what I realism mix... are we? What is the realism okay, that we're? There's like the realm of possibility within this world, and you don't expect a Jedi to say that. Zach, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this all did happen in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. A long time so. ago. <laughs> parties, parties have been around even longer than that in galaxies much farther than this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Josh, what did you want to talk about with Mace Windu? I just, um, the idea of the character is so awesome. And of course, like seeing Sammy J bring Sammy his own J. Little- I've never <laughs> heard him referred to as Sammy J. Seeing our boy Sammy J um, embody this character, which, okay, quick side note. I don't know if you guys knew this. Tupac auditioned to be Mace no. Windu and really, really wanted to be Mace Windu, but his um, his untimely demise, um, you know, had something to do with I that. I cannot so. fucking imagine a world where I Steven Spielberg it- directed a Phantom Menace starring Tupac as Mace Windu. <laughs> I want to go to that reality. I want to go there. God, I love. I do love Tupac. Side note, I do love Tupac. Tupac's a phenomenal actor. Have you seen Juice? I actually have not seen that movie. No, no, I've not. All right, boys, I gotta go ahead and and say that we gotta move on to the award season. Apparently, they straight off course, and we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Guys, can I do my MVP really quick? Uh, my MVP for this movie is Ewan McGregor. Uh, I think it's a big step up from Phantom Menace. I think we see the full range of what you expect in a Jedi and aspects that maybe could have caused Anakin to fall from the path of Jedi, kind of like how I talked about before, um, where you have these, like, really, he's, uh, Qui-Gon is really innate in, uh, in Jedi lore. He's very, like, 
monk-like and then Obi-Wan's a little bit less and that kind of allows Anakin to slip through the cracks a little bit, maybe where he shouldn't have. Um, and I think he does that very well. And I thought the lines were delivered well and I think the scenes were his ex- his scenes were exciting to watch. But I felt like a lot of other characters and actors didn't really deliver a great performance. I don't know how much competition he had for this award uh, within the actors list at least. So that is my MVP for this movie. Yeah, Josh, who is your MVP uh, of your... F- now, I believe... Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. You said this was your favorite second film in a trilogy of 2002. Is that what you said? Is that... <laughs> who is your MVP for your second... Attack <laughs> of the Clones? Oh, man. That's, that's a good way to put it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did Dead Man's Chest also come out this second... This year? No, no, no. I was this... doing a Two Towers bit. No. Oh, <laughs> Dead Man's oh Chest is 06. This is Two Towers in 02, I believe. Jeez. No, wait, I think, I think, right? It's 01, 02, 03 for Lord of the Rings? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, then, yeah, no, this would right. be, yeah, then this would be Two Towers. Even yeah. though you didn't know uh, when the dawn of the fifth day was. But, that yeah. is actually true, Cole. You got me on that, and I will accept defeat that I actually thought that was Return of the King. You are correct. That was, yeah, Two Towers. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll give this a, a close second, if you will. Um, MVP, like, relatively so, speaking. <laughs> MVP of Attack of the Clones. Um, oh, honestly, no. is it that hard? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with the, with the chalk answer, which is just going to be Obi Wan, because again, um, oh no, his, Corey t- Corey's Corey's. <laughs> that was Corey's. I'm going I'm to line up with Corey here, and I just okay because because I. I mean, at the end of the day, I do think that like his scenes um, in the second act where he's just like exploring the mystery and trying to figure out what's going on are the most enjoyable. Um, He is actually like, he is actually forwarding the plot more than anybody else. Um, And, and just in general, Ewan McGregor as that character is no matter how bad the dialogue or what's going on is just enjoyable to watch. So I, I'm I'm, going to give it to to Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's a good take. Paul, go ahead. Uh, he was my MVP last time. He's going to be my MVP again. The John Williams. Good. Uh, I'm glad you said it so I don't have to. Simply because, you know, he, he does something new with every single one of these movies through in the love theme here, which I think is great. I remember it. Uh, played on a piano at your sister's wedding and yes I was like, it was it was this is during the not theme. not during the wedding but like like when people are before, getting seated yeah. before the ceremony i uh i i love everything john williams composes for these movies um he is by far the goat of this franchise he's the one thing that stays oh. stagnant throughout it and well, you stagnant's know, that, not the right word or uh <laughs> Consistent. Yes, consistent. But consistent. anyway, you know that uh, that video of the guy screaming like the goat. He's that's the how goat. I, <laughs> He's that's the how goat. I feel anytime. Yeah, I know it. You hear you hear the original theme. You hear binary sunset. I mean, even like the simple things like this love theme. I mean, he he puts his heart into every single note of this music and you can feel it and you can feel how much he loves making this music. So that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. He does clearly have a passion for it. And, um, I do think he, he is probably the all time composer for movies. It would mean it would be him or Hans Zimmer, 
or if you want to go really old timey, maybe say Bernard Bernard Herman. But you know, that's a whole different podcast to talk about that. But yeah, Cole, that's a great know. pick. Michael Giacchino is making a. Oh, oh he's yes. been good. He's been good. He's, was that did he do Oppenheimer? Was that him? No, that's uh, Ludwig. That was Ludwig. That's oh, Ludwig, yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. But Giacchino yeah. did. Um, the Batman. I mean, most recently, he did the Batman, which like it was a great one. That was awesome. A different podcast, but yeah. that's you cool. also have Danny Elfman as well in that conversation as well. But yeah, that, that's a, a you know what? maybe we will one day do that episode. Uh, my MVP. I'm gonna get a little bit more niche, and I said earlier uh, that this I, I was very confident no one was gonna take mine. I'm gonna I go Ben Burt. No, no, Ben Burt as the sound mixer, <laughs> because you know, with all these, all this technical achievement and these effects and all this space stuff and all this made-up sounds, things that don't exist, you know, it's never easy to sound mix in a movie, but it's easier to sound mix for a movie where you know you're just dealing with things that are real, you know, cars passing, doors closing, blah blah blah, people walking. These are this is sci-fi. We're in made-up worlds with made-up devices and made-up aliens and and made up, you know, weapons and, and, you know, all these things. And so you have to create these sounds from nothing. Uh, and you have to decide these things. And it's not just Ben Burt is only did this one. He was, I looked it up and he was the sound designer, uh, you know, in the original trilogy too. So, you know, it's all encompassing, but I, I specifically highlight him for this because like I said earlier, the sound design, especially during the, the chase on Coruscant, absolutely love the, the sounds during that scene are incredible. Uh, the, seismic charges that josh brought up earlier the 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 delay in those is what i love uh and it's you know brief brief uh thing here they brought it back very effectively in mandalorian season two for a moment which was absolute fist pump fan moment that's an example of fan service done right in doses that's when it's used right uh so like yes ben burt my mvp i think he was also the editor on this movie or at least one of them so he he contributed a lot uh, so that is my MVP of Attack of the Clones. Moving on to the review section. It says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, you're kind not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. All right, Cole, go ahead and give your star rating out of five for episode two, Attack of the Clones. I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm going to have to go with a three. Whoa, 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 wow. So overall, I gave Phantom Menace, just uh, in case you haven't listened, Josh, which I recommend you do, I gave Phantom <laughs> Menace a 3.25. Uh, so I'm actually... The performances in this one bad. really are just too bad to overcome everything great. Like I said... Where there was bad stuff in The Phantom Menace, there were great performances to overcome. This does not have that. Yeah, it's still enjoyable, and I'll still watch this movie on a rainy day, you know, curl up in my Star Wars blanket and whatnot. Yeah, but watch Anakin be, as you guys said it, all sorts of horny for no... (laughs) For no apparent reason, <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, this this movie, the performances just bring it so much further down than the dialogue did in the Phantom Menace, and it's something that it it can overcome for me. So yeah, three out of five, and yeah. the inexplicably horniness of Anakin. 
Well, I mean, it's not inexplicable. It's not inexplicable when you really take into account who he's dealing with here. But uh, Josh, go ahead with your uh, star rating out of five for uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, so I'm going to give this a two, a two out of five. Um, I think that there is a very strong argument to be made that this is the worst Star Wars of all of the nine in the saga. Um, it's not to get too far ahead or whatever, but like, I, I mean, it's, I think there's a stronger argument to be made that now the rise of Skywalker is probably the worst, mm. but the only reason why I might give this one the worst movie title of the saga is that again, as bad as they both are in, in a lot of areas in rise of Skywalker, you're still watching a lot of more practical things and like just the technology has um, ha- had caught up at that point and really does that that kind of thing a service, no matter what the story points are, which we all know um, are not great. But I think that this one, while there are some cool things explored and some, as we've talked about, some things that could have been that would have been better, this is just a, as I said at the beginning, we all love Star Wars, and I love this movie, and I will always watch it, to your point, Cole, on a rainy day, but it is objectively a bad movie. Um, <laughs> so I cannot in good conscience give it more give it more than a two out of five. That um, is very funny that you say in good conscience, because that's exactly what I have written down here as well. <laughs> it's still Star Wars, and I still love it, but... There are so many things about this movie that could have been done better on, on in pretty much every aspect. Um, minus the music from John Williams. Shout out to John Williams. Yeah, I am going to pretty much agree with everything you said, Josh. But I, I don't know what it is. I, I'm, I, I do know what it is. Just the familiarity and the, the shared familiarity with my friends, both in high school and in college, especially... Uh, you know, like I brought up Dexter Jetster earlier, like stuff that is probably objectively not great filmmaking that I've just learned to love through being so familiar with it and how funny it is to me and how I know I, for whatever reason, I know every line from Dexter Jetster in this movie. And yet that enhances my viewing experience. And, and I can usually set that aside to be objective. Uh, but you know, not not entirely. I can't separate it entirely. So I'm going to go ahead and give this like Cole a three out of five because at a base level, I just enjoy my experience watching it. And there's even if it's not in all the ways that were intended when making it, if I enjoy my experience watching it, I, you know, I, I, I got to give it credit for that because it is that means it's not boring. The worst thing a movie can be is boring. And I will never say this movie's boring. Uh, so like I, I will give it credit and give George credit for that. But like I was saying, like I just alluded to as well, I cannot in good conscience even think of giving it anything higher than a three. I just want to say one last thing to kind of round out this discussion is that um, I think that something that Star Wars fans do and, and I do, and perhaps you guys are guilty of this too, is like we, we always I'm not try to... of anything. Well, my mistake then, Cole. Um, we... We try to make these, in our minds, we try to make these movies what we want. 
Um, whereas I think the original trilogy was made more for, um, even though they're not like dramas, I would say, like they're made more for adults. And then the lore just got so big that we wanted it all to be like that. And again, we talked about this earlier, like I think George, Clo or George Clooney, <laughs> George Lucas just had a different idea in terms of these these three movies um in terms of making them more towards like a different audience and we don't people who went who, who saw the original trilogy first don't want it to be that way um we want it to be the the adult made films that we were used to and kind of go along that same vein so i think to a certain extent that's always going to kind of skew at least my my perspective and probably a lot of people my age is like you know to your point zach like we all love these movies and I'm, I'm always going to be a fan and I'm going to watch them and, and all that. But like, I, I, I think that, that plays a heavy part into why my perspective on this movie is what it is. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, 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 that's fair. I mean, it, in the summit, I think this is a great way to finish this, this section off. If you're not going to be good, be memorable. And I would, I, this can no one can ever look at me in the eye and say this movie is not memorable, even in its faults. So, you know, and who alone Dexter could sum that Jester. up better than Dexter Jetster? Exactly. <laughs> I was about to say, my my fucking boy. <laughs> God, I love that guy. One what, of them what do you know? <laughs> what do you oh wow? What do you know? Like I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now. When I watched book when I watched that scene, I sent an audio clip of it to all my friends, and I got a reaction from it, and that just tells you all you need to know is that like everyone loved to hear that. But um, also, real quick, this is very very short. I'm gonna yeah, change go my I'm gonna change my MVP. Oh look at that! I changed my mind. We fucked up. I'm sorry I was whack. And it is better this way. Look, if I could go back in a machine, I would, but I can't. I suck at this. No, 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 I didn't mean it. I, I, I think I hear what you're saying, but I don't think you're saying what you mean. Sorry, y'all. It was an accident. Oh, look at this. Dexter um, Jexter. <laughs> no, it's not. My MVP of this movie is the reappearance of Watto. The brief reappearance of Watto. Love Watto. <laughs> shout shout out to Watto. Watto. Annie? Yeah, we we I, I was high on Watto last episode. Josh, I'm glad you did that because it gives me an excuse to reuse a recent audio drop I created where someone changes their mind about something on the pod, and I'm I'm finally gonna have a chance to use it a second time. Corey, why don't you go ahead and give your star rating out of five for for Attack of the Clones? Yeah. you've been really quiet over the past hour or so. So we, yeah, I think you know what? I've just been kind of, I mean, Corey's been quiet I, since hour like one, man. So it's like I, I've uh, we've been I've, I've been just minute. contemplating everything, and I I, I, I I like the conversation that's happening. Listening that's and learning, listening and learning. I, you know, yeah, uh, but. I am not going to let any of it affect my judgment and what I previously wrote down. I'm just going to go with what I wrote and not let this conversation that I was entirely <laughs> listening to the entire time um, affect my decision whatsoever. And these are all my current thoughts. Uh, I am going to give it a 2.7 out of 5. I'm going with 2.7 out of 5. I think the reasons I like Phantom Menace still apply here, and it's cool to see the world expanded more by going bigger, like in Coruscant scenes, and it feels like it was over the top a lot of the time or it just felt like it was over the top a lot of the time it was getting mess and it was missing what star wars what makes star wars really cool which is these small scenes where the characters just feel larger than life like when you have like in phantom menace 
um, that lightsaber scene with Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. It was like this very contained scene in this very small room. But like these characters just felt like they were they were fighting for the world, which made it really cool. But then you have these scenes like um, uh, I talked about it when I was originally speaking, but I, I just after I mentioned it, I just couldn't speak anymore. So I, but I talked about it with the um, the scene where they come down and they save Anakin and Obi-Wan um, and they're all the Jedi fighting in the arena. It just feels like they're not fighting for anything except the moment. And so it's like this really big, cool scene, but it just feels like our characters are just a small piece in that. And so that's what it is kind of missing for me. Uh, but yeah, so overall 2.7 out of five. Uh, but all right, uh, going ahead to the post credit scene. You're still here. It's over. Go home. All righty. Uh, in the post credit scene, we just talk about what we have coming next. And, uh, oh, we already talked about it a million times. It's Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so, God. yeah. Surprise, surprise. Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, is coming up next. Uh, but now moving ahead from that part, uh, we also talk about anything we watched recently. So, Josh, I'll throw it to you as a guest. Is there anything that you watched recently that you either liked or really didn't like uh, that you either want to tell people that they should watch or should avoid? Um, yes. So... Uh, my wife Rebby and I just recently started the um, the bear, yes, um, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, we had heard a lot about it and finally started to take the dive, and it is Zach. I think you mentioned it is you know it's easy to get through because the episodes are short and everything, but it is just so well done. And have my wife Rebby and I both have worked in the restaurant slash service industry and can say that like while it's dramatized a bit. Um, that is, it is the most real interpretation of what it's like to work in those places that I've ever seen. Um, and that series is just fantastic. We haven't fully finished it yet. We're on season two, but it's great. Um, and then on the Star Wars vein, I am about halfway through Ahsoka. Um, Wow. Which is cool. I suppose. It is. Oh, it's on. better than some other Star Wars content you that's did. come out recently. Can I interject but for a second? You did set yourself behind because, well, and this is also probably a problem with its inception to begin with. It, it's definitely what, from what I've heard, and I'm about to start it. Like I'm literally about to start it. Maybe even tonight. Like I, I genuinely am about to start it. It seems like it is Rebels season five, is what I've heard. So it's that's pretty much for Dave a niche Filoni crowd. Called it. Yeah, it's from for a very niche crowd who has taken in all these things with Ahsoka, her entire character arc. But it is interesting you watching it going off of only Ahsoka from how you know her in Mandalorian season two. In a in a in a very wrapped up and short general, I can say that I like it. I'm enjoying it more than like the Kenobi show and more than Boba Fett and all of that. Um, of course, I now hold all Star Wars shows to the Andor quality, which is unfair, but that show is just so awesome. Yeah, um, I agree. But it is, but it is like, I mean, I, again, I'm enjoying it more, and and I and I like the fact that it's the plot of it is something that I'm completely familiar, excuse me, unfamiliar with, having not watched Clone Wars or anything. So, anyway. Mm. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Cole, you got uh, anything you want to plug or that you watched recently? Uh, also on a bit of a Star Wars kick, doing a Ooh, little goodness. bit of a Clone Wars 
Clone Wars rewatch. Oh. Yeah. Uh, did you watch Clone Wars? Oh, you did. Yeah, you watched it when it was originally airing. I remember that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Back in you like used to call me stuff. a loser and say, "I did." Why? And I'll admit my fault. I used to make fun of you for watching that, and then I watched it as an adult after my older brother Ben actually watched it first and told me to watch it, and then I watched it, and yeah. I was like, "Okay, yep, I was yeah, wrong." You didn't believe me. Also, I told you to watch the bear, and then you love the bear. So I do yeah. now. Yeah, you're right. Two for two, Cole. Well done. Yeah, but uh, I also watched, and I wouldn't recommend this show just because it's an objectively like kind of bad but enjoyable Uh-oh. show. Uh, Obliterated. It's about Navy SEALs who stop a nuclear attack in Vegas, and then they get really drunk, and then they have to spend the remainder of the night while still drunk trying to stop another nuke. Oh my god, what a what a night for them. It's a very silly premise, but I enjoyed it. Uh and then I also rewatched uh Mark Wahlberg's Planet of the Apes, aka Mark Wahlberg Talks to Animals. And uh I can say I thought, you know, maybe give it a try after like a year or two, see how this ages. Still object object objectively bad. bad. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does talk to animals though. Right there. Maybe Tim Burton's first miss. You could go back and look at his career and say maybe that was the first sign of things to come with Tim Burton. But let's see. For me, I don't remember if I talked about if I saw this before our last episode. But if not, I'll bring it up briefly. Go see Godzilla minus one. Uh, really, really good. Um, and then since then, I also saw Thanksgiving, the Eli Roth movie. Very fun movie. Not at all like the Grindhouse trailer he made for it originally with uh, Death Proof and Planet Terror in terms of Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, where it originated from. But it's it's less in line with the 70s movies that he was uh, trying to hint at with that original fake trailer and more in line with like 90s slashers like Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer or Urban Legend. It's more like one of those. But it is very, very enjoyable. Really good practical effects. A lot of you know grisly kills, and it's a good whodunit in that sense. Uh, nothing, nothing incredible to write home about, but it's a good time. Uh, and then, actually, if I'm talking objectively about a really good movie uh, on Netflix, so it is accessible. Uh, May December with Natalie Portman. So that's a good segue. Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Corey, what did you watch this week? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just watched the first episode of Yellowstone as I was telling you guys off air. Um, mm. Really into it. I've always wanted to move. I, I I've always had this uh, masculine urge to move to Montana and build a lighthouse, and now that urge just amplified. Uh, big fan of that so far through one episode. So I'm gonna give you guys an update as I go through that. I also wanted to state, Josh, don't speak on this one, but I also wanted to state that I cannot <laughs> get through. <laughs> I cannot get through Star Trek Enterprise. I finished. Uh, I finished like um, Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Next Generation all had seven seasons and all had more episodes overall per season by like just a couple and I got through those so much more so much faster than I've gotten through three seasons of Enterprise because it's so hard to watch I don't know if I can do a fourth um, so that's I it's just been struggling internally and I know you guys love the updates on that one 
All right, sounds good. All right, well, we will see you next week. Week next week. My goodness, I waited to the last my last sentence to f up in that way. Uh, we'll see you next week for uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and Josh, I'm sure we will have you ago- have you on for something again soon. <clears throat> Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, would, yeah, I'm sure that'll happen soon, yeah. You know, guys, uh, in case it's... It, I, let me apologize for the way this episode might sound later, like it was stitched together. Uh, well, it was. What? You know, schedules schedules are changed and they're crazy. You know, we all have things to do. Uh, you know, we're busy little bees. And uh, every once in a while, we gotta we gotta mix and match a little bit uh, with some audio clips. So that if, if things feel disjointed and sound different from time to time, uh, that's why. Yeah, yeah. That's all we got. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is going to be the worst episode that we've ever made. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Cannot wait to put this together. Cannot wait. Wait, here. Let me let me do my sign off. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Bye. See you. <laughs> Very natural. All right. <laughs>